Hello, hello, where you are, wherever you are, it's time for some Christmas bollocks, yeah! Welcome to this um, festive al, uh, get it, festive al, festival, festival, festival special, but it's festive as well, it's a festive special and it's a festival, spe- yeah, anyway, um, I do comedy, believe it or not, uh, my name is Howard H. Smith, I am lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain, I'm also stand-up comedian performing as myself, but mainly uh, Keith Platt, professional Yorkshireman, you can find me at keithplatt.co.uk, anybody use websites anymore, and you can also find Acid Rain at .co.uk, does anybody use websites anymore, but you can also find Acid Rain on all the relevant social media medias and do you know what you can find talking bollocks on social media as well come and join the party oh for fuck's sake honestly people trying to contact me it ain't happening oh right hang on a sec i might have to take this so would you believe it that was a fucking one of those oh i'm just a recorded voice i'm calling about the accident you just had and uh, I actually started trying to record so you guys could hear it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, it didn't work out like that. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> here we are. It is um, it is the festive special, two-part festi- uh, festive special on festive... On f- I nearly said festivals. On fest? On what? <laughs> it is on festivals, music festivals, not festival periods. Like the one you're in now. Happy Christmas, by the way. Um, or happy Hanukkah. Or just happy December. Happy Winter Festival. Happy giving friends to uh, giving uh, people presents. Happy receiving presents. Happy overeating. Happy overdrinking. Happy rowing with your family. Happy hangover. Um, happy shit, shit television the world over. Happy James Bond movie yet again. Happy everything that goes on. And most importantly, happy hundreds and hundreds of adverts for toys, holidays and charities. So uh, I think that covers most of the things that are going on at this time of year. Uh, Maybe not all, but most. So um, what have I got coming up for you? Yep, this is a two-part Christmas festival special. So um, what what we're going to be covering is I'm going to be talking to people who are involved in festivals, as you know. But before I do, let's just have a look at what's happened in the world of metal since last we spoke. Um, since last we spoke, um, Corey Taylor was uh, in the news a little bit um, after a fan tagged Taylor on Twitter um, saying that it was um, oh some bloke from... Right, yeah. That Levine, I can't remember which band he's from, uh, comments angered him because he said basically, like, rock is dead. So much that he needed uh, Slipknot and Stone Sour Singer to rip him a new one or something. Corey happily obliged, writing on Twitter, just because you claim to have move like Jagger, moves like Jagger, doesn't mean you come anywhere close to rocking like Jagger. Tell that schmuck to go back to the fucking voice. And then Stone Sour producer and Anthrax producer Jay Rushton um, chipped him with when Adam Levine or anyone else in that genre can consistently set out stadiums around the world like Metallica, Muse, Slipknot, Iron Maiden, Rammstein, ACDC, Guns N' Roses and the Rolling Stones, then I'll care what he has to say about the death of rock. So, yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool. Um, I do like the way Corey Taylor is always prepared to just get involved in an argument. Um... And just weigh in wherever. Um, not as much as you might have previously done, but still, I, I just think it's cool, you know? We need people with opinions. And, um, uh, you know, I would say that, wouldn't I? Fucking rent a mouth here. <laughs> uh, now, I, this, I've got to tell you about... Um, 
uh, Jamie Jaster did an interview with um, the bass player from the Deftones. And um, it was... Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what his name is now. Um, I, it's... it's I think, is it J something or something like that? I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Um, but anyway, he did an interview with him and um, it was, um, yeah, it, it, it was fine. They were chatting away. And then uh, he just mentioned, he said that his girlfriend was into the world of cosplay. And, uh, and and Jamie was like, oh, well, can can we just carry on for a few more minutes? I'm, I'm really interested in this. And yeah, and he, and he was like, yeah, dude, cool, cool. Jamie's first question. So cosplay. I'm interested. How do you monetize it? <laughs> Just straight in. Straight in with, where's the fucking money? Um, uh, I just, uh, yeah, uh, it, it was just absolute, it was just an absolute classic. It really was. Um, I I laughed out loud. I laughed for hours. I mean, oh, bless him. I mean, look, you know, um, uh I'm not criticising him, it's just the way it is, okay? So, um, what else has been happening? Phil Anselmo and the Illegals um, have been uh, covering Walk recently. And I have to say, um, the, the, the version I saw, I'm not sure where it was from, was, was excellent. Uh, most importantly, Anselmo's vocals are spot on. He is looking after his voice um, and he was really doing the job. And, and I just thought it was really cool, it was respectful and it was just... It was really good. Search out uh, search out some video footage if you can find it because it is worth watching, um, and maybe not so much worth watching. Um, Dave Alefson and uh, Frank Bellow are uh, have a, a band called uh, Altitudes and Attitude, and um, I was sent a link to the album. And um, um, <laughs> as I, I did ask the person who sent it to me, what what do you think? You know, what do you think? And he said. Um, well, it, it, do you like Foo Fighters? And straight away I was like, say what? Um, and yeah, I mean, um, it's as middle of the road as uh, the painted white lines. Um, it, it, yeah, I mean, if that's your thing, if that's your kind of vibe, then I would say definitely go and have a listen to it. Um, but yeah, just 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 not my kind of thing, really. But, you know, that's that's no criticism. Everything doesn't have to be. And, and speaking of things that aren't my thing and all the rest of it. Um, uh, yeah, Steve Harris has been uh, praising the Blaze Bailey era, um, saying that, you know, people are people are probably respect it more now than they do. I mean, I'm not sure if he's doing this just to, you know, just to sort of put his weight behind that era or just to wind Bruce up. But um, but either way, I thought it was really nice to see that. Um, that he was going back all the way back to those years and saying what an important time it was for the band and, um, you know, and, and you know, Blaze really held it together and was a really good guy to work with and he likes those albums. And I thought it, it was just a really nice touch because it's been a very, very long time since all of that happened. And uh, I, I thought that was classy of Mr. Harris. I really did. Um, and what else? Mustaine, good old Dave. Um, I, I really like what he had to say here. Basically said, look, there should be at least one more Big Four show before Slayer retire, and it should be in the San Francisco Bay Area um, or LA, where there was a, a, a huge thrash scene as well. And um, and I just thought, do you know what? That is a that is a really really nice sentiment. And he was like, you know, look, before Slayer go, before there's there isn't a Big Four anymore, it should be um, it should be something that we try and do. It'd be really cool. He couldn't he couldn't help but sort of you know. Um, 
have a bit of a dig at Metallica. It, it seems the longer, the the further out he gets from the big four, the more he starts slagging them off again. But I, uh, you know, all all fair fucks to him. It was, uh, you know, it, it was. I just thought it was a really good idea, um, and um, you know, not something that he had to come out with. But um, yeah, all the same. I was, I, I was, um, yeah, I was impressed. I mean, impressed is the wrong word, isn't it? But I just thought it was cool. So anyway, that's that's all my usual shit out of the way. Um, uh, we've got we've got a lot to get through, guys. This is only part one. Um, I will release part two between Christmas and New Year, as always, uh, to hopefully give you something to um, pass the time away and you know just be able to stick your headphones on and and zone out from everything and everyone um, and and have something to listen to. To be honest, um, I've I've done two part Christmas specials uh, right from the. Um, right from the very uh, beginning of the podcast, and this year is no different. And the theme was festivals. Now, unfortunately, two people that I haven't been able to get on were um, our live agent, Sharon Richardson, who uh, represents tons and tons of bands and was keen to come on, but it's just been a schedule thing. She's just not been... Either she's available and I'm not, or I'm not available and she is. So it's. Uh, but I'm hoping to get Sharon on the podcast, because now she's agreed to do it, I want to get her on there anyway. So I hope to get her on um, in the new year. And, um, and also Simon Hall, who is a stage manager at Bloodstock. It would have been really cool to get Simon on. Um, not that it's... Uh, I have got people on from Bloodstock so hang on but um but yeah it would have been really cool um because uh, it is mainly promoters and bookers uh, well it's mainly sort of festival owners festival organizers that I've got on but we have got marketing we've got uh, press we've got we've got um uh Bloodstock's official um uh, interviewer so it's all you know it's it, it, there's there's plenty of stuff in there for you and in fact why don't we start with the man who created the Amplified Festival. So from absolutely nothing, just a field somewhere, um, uh, it was decided that, do you know what? We could actually do, we could do a festival here. And um, uh, this is what you are now going to get. Um, it's really cool, actually. Uh, I, I mean, we, we obviously we played Amplified the, uh, the first year. Um, which was uh, a crazy experience, let me tell you. Um, but it was very, very cool. Um, we had a we had a really good time, um, and you know it, it's um, it's going to get bigger and bigger and better and better. So the uh, the festival is run, organised, booked. The man who does everything uh, is this man you're going to hear from now, and this is my chat with Gary Patterson. Hello. 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 How are you doing? You alright? <laughs> yeah, I'm alright, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. You got your coffee, you all sorted? I've got coffee now. I've, I've got my coffee in my, uh, it looks like a fairy cake mug. Yeah. Oh yeah, a fairy cake mug? Well, that's what's printed on it, I think. It's fairy, is it fairy? I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe, maybe more of a, a gato, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Well, let's, I'll, let's, I'll know more when I got to the bottom of the. I'll know more when I got to the bottom of the coffee. Yeah, let, let's let's not split hairs over over type of cake. No, no, no. no. It's got cream in it. Um, so, how are you, mate? Uh, sorry, sorry to trouble you so early. Oh no, that's right. Shit happens, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this was hey, what, what's going on with you anyway? What happened in the 
Eat him or whatever. Oh man, yeah. I'll um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell you. Uh, by the way, we, we're already recording, so I'll I'll tell you about that. Um, oh, right, I'll, nice. I'll tell you about <laughs> that. I'll, I'll tell you about that afterwards because people will be sick of hearing about it. But by now, because I'll have gone on and on. Okay, about okay. It. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I, I wanted to start um, just really with like going right back to the beginning, and um, and if you can remember when when did the when did Amplified first kind of start forming as an idea um i've always had the idea of doing like wanted to do a festival anyway and then um when i was actually working in a, a bar in north Leach itself um there was a guy who he was a an officer he was a, a, one of those pcos and he said oh me and a few of the lads are going out in Cheltenham next week you're about and i said well normally i would be but i'm putting on pedal another to kill before um the county officer i'm doing a show and he goes all oh, right it's actually put on gigs do you i was like well well, yeah, I've been put on gigs for years now. I was in a band a long time ago. He was like, all oh, right. Didn't know that. He goes, I thought you were just a barman. And I was like, oh. Hail and mighty have fallen kind of thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just a barman, but I'm a bloody good one. And then um, he said, oh, what do you really want to do? And then I said, oh, I'd love to put on a festival. And he was like, well, what do you need? I'm like, well, bloody big field, mate. He goes, I know a bloke who's got a field. In fact, he's got quite a few. I'll go get his number. Um, and he popped down to a local cafe, came out with a little scrap of paper with a guy's number on it. And a couple of days later, I'm in, in his, like, you know, sort of, I'll say working farmhouse kitchen, you know, flagstone flooring and, you know, dogs and, you know, everything else going on. Yeah. Guy makes me a coffee and then uh, we just started discussing an idea. He goes, oh, I've heard you're the guy who wants to put on a festival. Tell me all about it. And then we just, you know, just started from there, really. Wow. So, so yeah. that... And then suddenly, then suddenly you're just, you know, and suddenly you're literally, oh, I've got to think of a name. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. so if, well, if that's 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 the field, that's the like the the physical setting. But presumably, yeah. um, you needed some kind of um, financial backing as well, because you can have a field and a desire to book bands, but yeah, that there is definitely one key ingredient missing out <laughs> out of that. Yeah, I used to have a house. <laughs> <laughs> Quite simple. <laughs> so yeah, if I you know, if I tell anyone I sold my house for rock and roll, you know, wait. Just pure and simple. So you literally, so yeah. so what? You sold it, or you remortgaged it, or or what? No, just sold it. Sold it. That was it? Right. The idea was I obviously didn't want to, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just ended up just selling the house to the fight finance the event. Wow. Right. Okay. So yeah. that's that it, yeah. that's certainly an eggs in basket uh, situation. So how's that working out? So that explains why you live in a tent now, then. Uh, I'm actually. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually living at home with my mum um, in the spare room, <laughs> which is nice. So I've still got my I've got I've got an office set up for the festival, which is all good. So I'm, you know, that's all fun. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm just you know, back at home. So So presumably the idea <laughs> is that um, that amplified um, gets bigger and bigger, starts making some money, and you're able to um, you're able to uh, to get out of home. Yeah. <laughs> It would be nice. Um, it's, it was always, you know, very, very, very you know, few events will kick off on the, on the first year. Um, and obviously, you know, you're moving forward, getting to the third year, so to get the event established on the actual, you know, festival UK calendar. Um, which I think, we, yeah, we're doing quite well at the moment. And that's, you know, yeah, just move forward. And I think, you know, although money is always there, I think I've never been driven by that, which I know everyone, everyone probably says that, but... My, my first and foremost is to make sure people who come enjoy themselves and the bands enjoy themselves, you know. And then I, I sort of, you know, that's my enjoyment from it. But obviously, yeah, the, you know, the financial aspect does come into it. But, you know, like I said, it's just uh, I only wish I had a bigger house because I could probably uh, put on a bigger festival. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, 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 only had a, I only had a muse townhouse, so um, it doesn't go any far. Well, what, but what about, uh, I mean, and what a first year it was. I mean, uh, well, actually, let's before we jump forward um, to, you know, yeah. actually the, the first year of the festival, obviously, we played. Um, actually, leading up, you know, we were aware of the amount of, um, you know, red tape and admin and all the rest of it that was going to go into it, because presumably you, you had to apply for licenses and all the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, I've run a lot of music venues anyway, and from being in a band and knowing what it takes to, you know, what bands require when they when they arrive, also running venues, I know about applying for licenses. It's just literally just you're, you're trying to take a, a, a live you know live music venue outdoors, so you think, oh, we're going to need some toilets and some fencing. Yeah, and then you go, oh, hang on, <laughs> where's the power coming from? I'm not going to run, a, run an extension from the nearest farmhouse. Here we go, and then. Suddenly, yeah, you do realise. But I think, it, I mean, there's obviously, I mean, you, obviously finding the site is the hardest, is probably the hardest part. You've got to find a landowner who's willing to let you just, you know, in a sense, but, you know, possibly turf up his ground. Um, once you find that, it, it is literally right. The locals, local residents, they're going to be a little bit, haven't ever happened there before. Um, they've had, like, say, steam rallies and things like that, and, you know, lots, lots more horsey things and huntery things and, all, you know, the normal sort of country life sort of stuff going on. Um, and then yeah, it's literally just you sort of like meet the local council first, and you go to the district council. Um, and yeah, there is red tape there, but a lot of it is just as long as you um, sort of put everything in departments and just in your head and on a big spreadsheet, which I don't technically use, I just use big wall planners. Um, it, it, it happens in stages, so you literally once you've, I think we applied for the license without actually having a name. And I always say we, but it's normally just me <laughs> who, who started it all. Obviously, friends. As you know, you know some of them. They've all come along and helped as we started. But you know, yeah, literally, it's, you get the license, and then they say, like, you have to send this to the fire, fire, you know, local fire service. You have to check out, you know, local hospitals. Deal with local, even like even going to like taxi firms, bus companies. You've got to tell them it might close a road, and you've got to deal with road closures. There's a health and safety. Um, so you've got all of that kind of very serious stuff, and then there's obviously insurance and things like that, and everything else um, for the public insurance, and then even. Um, then you got yeah. Then you start looking at um, power. So yeah, I think realistic with the site, as you can tell, there's a lot. Because I keep on going off all the loads of different tangents. But you know, <laughs> the way I can only describe the festival site is it's it's, um, it's a war zone <clears throat> basically. And what do you need? You need to get sanitation. You need water. You need toilets. You need security. You need power. And then you literally just build up from there. And then you just start building the site. You know, and then you you know then you suddenly think, well, hang on. Festival needs a name, needs some artwork. Oh, I've got books and bands as well. Oh, I need a bar. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's quite a lot. Now you think about it. And if I need a stronger coffee. <laughs> um, uh, I love the but way. Yeah, I think, you know, when you, you get down to the basics of it, there's a hell of a lot to do. Hell of a lot. I love the way you said there that, um, oh, um, oh, I need uh, I need some bands. I need a bar. And it's it's almost like you'd built that sentence yeah. for, for talking to me, who, of course, was in a band but played on the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, funny because the first time I met you was like, uh, as well on the side building. I thought, bloody hell, oh, there. Am I allowed to swear? I swear a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, just swear. Like, all the fuck you I want, mate. Over there. Oh, amazing. And uh, who the fuck is over there? Look, who the bloody hell is that over there? And there's some guy climbing up the wall, sort of like hanging off the stage. And I'm like, hey, oi, almost like get down. And over walks you. And I'm like, what are you doing, bud? Oh, you know, nice greetings, I mean. Oh, I can't wait to play. Yeah, it's my first ever outdoor show. So, yeah, sorry about the rain, the rain there, but, you know, putting you in the bar. But yeah. I, I know how excited you were to actually be there. And, yeah, just it rained. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I've, I've still to this day have never played an outdoor show. Um, and that was as close as I've got. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, hey, look, I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm sure I'm... I'm sure that's something that's uh, in our future as a band, but um, uh, I, but to to get to that point, um, obviously you had um, you know you got Andy was involved booking his stage as well, and when it comes to the when it comes to the booking of bands, which I know is is obviously, I mean apart from all of the um, you know the logistics that go into putting a festival, but. The booking of bands, really, that is, that's, it's kind of where you kind of stand or fall. I mean, how, how did you, you know, how do you go about getting bands? Is it like, oh, I'd like to, I'd like to see these bands? Or is it just talking to agents and saying, look, who's around, who's available at this time of year? Um, that's probably the sensible approach. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Um, <laughs> um, I, I tend to start and go, right, who do I want to headline? I'm, if I'm just looking at my stage, so I'm obviously booking the main sort of the big, the bigger bands or you know, like the main stage acts, really. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, right, who do I want to headline? So if I said for argument, say, yeah, I don't know, Iron Maiden, never going to happen. But if I did, I'd say, right, how do I get from the first band on at, say, 11 o'clock and take the, the attendee, the festival attendee, on a journey up to that band to you know, take their ear on a, on a little trip? You know? And that's the only way I sort of try and do it. And I think, so first of all, I just think, well, I want to book a band. And I go, right. I might Google them, I might, I might, I might even know them, I booked them before, you know, some I've had another, you know, booked a couple of times, so it was kind of, it was easy to speak to their agent, and I think that there's obviously a lot of it as well comes down to trust, I mean, you know, if, if they know who you are, um, obviously with the new year, you know, with the first year festival, people are obviously going to, they're going to be wary of it, as they should be, um, and I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, if I'm going to be perfectly frank, it is probably the hardest part <laughs> of organising the festival, the red tape, you know, it, it, that, that almost takes care of itself because it, it just it flows and you've got deadlines to meet when you put in the license you've got so many weeks for people to query it they know you might have a meeting about if the if local residents have got an issue with like oh that traffic didn't work or you know, how, how's the traffic going to flow around the village and so on um but yeah you know literally the hardest thing is dealing with the, with the agents because it's yeah um yeah, well, I remember. Well, <laughs> I, 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 rem- I remember. I mean, it, that's the most frustrating part. Most, most, most frustrating, frust- you know, like frustrating part of it is, I just want to book a band, and I find, I, you know, it's literally I just want to put some bands in the field. I don't want any stress or hardship about it. It's just I like the band. I want to book them. You know, it's kind of can you come and play? Um, and then obviously you just start discussing fees and dates and you know, stuff like that. Really. And then they start going, oh, who else is playing? I'm just like, oh, does it really matter? You know, you go on stage when you're doing the play and play the best and get off. Yeah. Go to the bar, you know, well, I, play in the bar. Well, but I know, I, I, I know, I understand your point when you say frustrations because I know um, that there was a certain band that we are on the same agent as who you were, yeah. you were all, you know, it, it looked like it was all happening. And then, and I mean, you know, everybody listening to this would know who they are. And then all of a sudden, one of them remembered they had a family holiday when at the time of the yeah. festival. Um, yeah, but I think I think stuff like that. I mean, you know, the, the, the agent bless her, she was you know, blooming hard to try and get it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can't, it, it, you know, those things sort of happen, and it's happened again. You know, let's just quickly jump forward. It was happened again this year. I thought I had a, I had a headliner, and lo and behold, one of the big, bigger festivals has come along and snapped them up. And it, now that's really frustrating, you know, because you know I can't compete with like you know, those sort of you know, festivals yet. And it's quite frustrating when you think you've got a band, and then you know the big big boys come and play, and you know. Have come and crushed all my toys, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and, and it's one of those sort of things. Like I said, you know, you, you 
Had you actually had you, had you actually got as far as signing him up or anything like that? Um, I got as far as fees agreed, you know, and I would call you like Monday morning to confirm, and then suddenly Monday morning comes, and then afternoon, sorry, hang on, you know, thirty six hours ago it was a dead cert. <laughs> now suddenly it's just yeah, some you know another festival's come back in, and you suddenly think. You know, oh, we'll be used as a bargaining tool. You know, you never know. I don't know. Yes, it's, yeah. a, it's an industry that it's kind of. But you know, like I said, agents are looking out for the best of the bands. I mean, it's not. There's no. You know, you know they don't know where they're sending you. You know, it's, no. it's, whether, even if it's just like a little pub gig, they don't know where they go. You, you, you might know the pub and go. We really want to play. And the agent goes, "Well, oh, you know, you, you shouldn't be in there by now." Yeah, it's that those sort of things. And you know, when you sign up to these, I mean, I obviously prefer dealing with bands direct. You know, um, I remember years ago I, I booked Frank Turner. Facebooked him, you know, and oh, can you pick me up from the train station? And uh, you know, I said, yeah, I, I can get my mum to make you some sandwiches, you know. And it's just, it's just, I'm just a jovial guy. I'm just, a, you know, a polite bloke. And I just, you know, you want to come and play, and you know, you pick up a someone like Frank Turner from the train station. He's a bloody tall bloke, mind. And then you know, it's, <laughs> you can book him again, and then suddenly, you know, four years down the line, you know, oh, sorry, guy, you've got to go to the agent. And then the agent goes, sorry, and you're like, oh. But he said, but that's the way it is. You know, it's, it's the industry you're in, and once you get signed up and stuff, you know they are looking at your best interest. But it is just frustrating because, like I said, I just want to book a band, and I appreciate if they're not available, or if the fee's not what you know, not what what's not, you know, isn't what they particularly want. But um, like I said, yeah, it's literally just trying to be them. Just book some bands, isn't it? It's not, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, the thing book is, some I'm, bands for people to come and enjoy. You know, well, the thing is, I, I do appreciate that, and I, and I, and I, the thing is, is that. Uh, unfortunately for you, there's a lot of promoters out there who want to book some bands and want to deal direct and don't want to deal with agents. And and the, the reason for that is that they're not prepared to um, they're not prepared to sign a contract. It's all you know, it's all promises, promises, and then you get fucked when you know it's like they've done a shit job of promoting it and they turn around and say, well, we haven't got the money. And not that that's that's happened to me, but it's a story that, you know, that I hear again and again. And unfortunately, you know, agents are in place because, um, yeah, they have to be. And um, Oh, yeah, that's 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 really understandable. And it's kind of, it's just frustrating. You know, one thing I've always said, you know, you make sure, you know, when when putting on an event like this, you know, the first and foremost is I want the bands to be happy and I want the punters to be happy. Yeah. If the trade is a little bit, I'm really sorry, but first and foremost, it has to be about the band and the punter, because that's what the, yeah, the punters come to see the band, and the band want to play in front of the people, um, and you make sure those two elements are you know, looked after, um, and that's, you know, that's the two sort of like cornerstones really of putting on even any event. I mean, when I used to you know, book shows in little clubs and stuff, yeah, you know, I'd always make sure even when I was in a band, I want to meet the promoter who's booked me. You know, even if we just went down to London and play in front of eight people, I want to make sure the bloke who's booked the band, are, you know, are there. Um, so when the bands arrived at my sort of venue, I'd, you know, even if we just left the left the place, you know, sign check, let's go for a pint somewhere else, you know, get out of the room. You don't want to be in here all bloody night, you know. And that kind of sort of like personal touch. And my mum's always done, you know, the catering for all my bands. You know, it's that little bit of family. It's not a nice little element, you know. It's not like a, you know, like so when you get two corporates, it's almost faceless. But I think you know, we just. I remember um, years ago I had an electric eel shock in my mum's kitchen. You know, <laughs> three crazy Japanese, three crazy Japanese guys getting fed to the hilt. And then more food coming out, and they can't say no because it's like it's a, you know their manners. Yeah, they don't. And uh, I comes the cheesy garlic bread, and they're like, no, no, can't eat no more, no more, no more. And then <laughs> they do a show, and they couldn't jump because they said they were they were too full, you know. And it's uh, but it's that kind of you know, it's just I mean I like doing stuff, and it's the, the sort of thing I've always wanted. To, you know, I love meeting bands and booking bands, and you 
you know, I'd love to be in a band again, but it's just, you know, it's just live music and it's amazing. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is that there is there is another part of it, of course, that, um, and, and sometimes this comes from management or sometimes it's the agent or sometimes the band themselves, which is, which is perception. Because you can have a you can have a fee yeah. that is that, that they're happy with, but they're either not happy with their place on the bill, or they're not happy with which stage they're on, or they're not happy that that you know that they're middle of the bill, or to and 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 it's it's literally it's ticking all of those boxes, isn't it? It's ticking the box that the bands that that you know that the the um, the fee is fine, but there's all those other little boxes yeah. that have got to be ticked as well, because ultimately. There is someone in the chain is concerned about perception and you know how the band is perceived and and you know and you know we can't you you can't be on that stage you've got to be on the main stage and you know what I mean. I suppose I mean again that's fully understandable to agree and you kind of get into this sort of again I I never mention which agents but you get some agents and they go oh, who's who's on before and after and I'm like you don't understand the concept of that before I do where. We literally flip flop stage to stage. So it doesn't really matter who's on before because you've got an hour gap on that particular stage. Yeah. And then you're off over at the very metal art stage or you're in the bar stage or whatever. It doesn't matter who's on before. So there's an hour, hour, don't panic. But again, they, you know, agents, some agents will request that. Oh, well, they're, they're bigger, they should be above them. Well, why is that? Why should they be above them? You know, and it's kind of, and I get the perception idea. Oh, they might, might have an album out or this or do you go by Spotify views? Is it Facebook likes? Is it, <clears throat> if they've got a new album out, is it they've just toured? Is it they've, done this they've done that um you know last year well, for this year when we booked doyle um the agent was adamant oh we need a higher slot i said mate there's no slots you've come late to the party you know and i really want him to play he wants to play but this is the slot there is and i've had to fit i've had to shoehorn this guy in you know and i want to and we've got the room to do it but that's i can't you know when contracts have gone out i can't suddenly start bumping people around because oh sorry i've got a better band now. you know it's, yeah that's rude so um and i appreciate you know there's like I said, it comes back to, you know, I look at the headliner and then if I suddenly plan the day to get to where it's got to get to and suddenly that headliner can't do it, that's when we start struggling. Because then you can think, oh, now we need, to, now we need a band like that that isn't the same we wanted. Oh, bugger. You know, now, then, then suddenly you start, you know, <clears throat> we're okay this year, but obviously for that, you know, you start scrapping, it almost looks like you're scrabbling around for somebody all of a sudden when you're quite, you know, confident in what you, who you were booking. Um, and then suddenly, you know, I've looked at loads of bands, and then all of a sudden, oh, bloody hell, that agent now, the same agent, same agent, same agent. I can't keep going, oh, can we have this band, please, for the headline? Well, hang on, last week you asked for that band, now you want this one. Oh, and next week you'll be coming back for another one. Well, just give me one of, you know, who have you got? And I think, comes back to what you said earlier on, is it, um, if I went in with, like, who you have available, rather than me going, I'm picking what, who I want, Yeah. probably might be a bit quicker, but, you know. Um, but then, like I said, <clears throat> you know, you've got some, something like, you know, Tech Fest, and they've managed to confirm the sugar a year in advance as, a, as the only UK show. Now that's ballsy on their part, and great for the sugar, you know, and great for the, the pool for that festival if that's the only show they're going to do. But I've got other bands who say, oh, "Yeah, we can't commit that far ahead." I'm like, "Okay." Or we're waiting to see what else comes along. Well, I've got I've got slots to fill. I'm not a festival where I can do like the Bloodstock and just announce one band. I'm not, you know, whacking where they can sell out before they've even announced the band or Glastonbury. You know, I need my full list to hit, you know, with the publicity, you know, sort of angle. You know, we've got to come out fighting, really. And I think, you know, when bands say, well, we can't commit all this or that, or, and some bands don't know what they're doing, admittedly, you know. Um, and I understand that as well. But it's just, you know, okay, so that, like, again, you can tell, you know, my tone's changed. Like, it's, it's been frustrating. It's just, I want that band, I want to book them how much. And you get into that realm, and 
I remember in the first year, again, I won't mention the band things, that's unfortunate, but you just kind of like go, right, I really want that band. I only find them on YouTube because I do. I just, you know, that's how I find bands. I don't you know, I go to loads of gigs and if I, if I like the band, I think, it's almost like if a band makes me want to get up on stage again as a performer, I'm like, they're worth booking to me because they've made me, you know, they've instilled that kind of enthusiasm in me. Um, and I'll just go, you know, like I said, I might Facebook them, but I find this one band, I thought, oh, really, they're really cool. Send them a text, oh, there's our agent, cool. You know, send an email. Um, and then you get to fees, and it's very difficult because I don't know what bands cost. I don't know what you know bands require from a monetary angle. You know, I don't know. It's very hard again to, to know what a band's worth, and is it worth what the, what the, you know, what are they actually worth to me? So you kind of go right, okay. I love this band. I've got a slot at say three o'clock Friday afternoon. Um, can you give me an idea of fee, please? And they come, but then they fire back. No, okay. This is going to be difficult, isn't it? Can you give me a ballpark figure, please? And the one agent came back and just went literally no. Thanks, Gary, for your interest. And no politeness, and that's what gets. But I appreciate again they get a lot of a lot of requests, admittedly. But just literally just a one line saying we don't do ballpark figures. I'm like, okay, well fuck you then, because I can't do. I don't know where we can't go from there because I can't. If and if, and one agent I did actually I did actually ring her up, and you obviously know who she is, and it was it was literally trying to book that one band in the first year, and I said, Look, I don't know what they're worth. You, you don't know. Well, you obviously know. You might, I don't know if you've got a war chart or what you've got in front of you. But if we just go three, two, one, and I shout out a figure, mm-hmm. you shout out to me what you, know, what you want and see where we're at, you know? Yeah. Because there's no, there's no other way I can do it. I, can't, I could ring up and say, right, I want to book this band and I offer £500. And they go, oh, can I put it on hold, please? And they turn around and say, who's this bloody track? You know, they, this band normally goes for five grand. Yeah. Or I go, oh, can I book this, five, can I book this band for five grand, please? Can I put you on hold? <laughs> Yeah. Did she just snigger? Goes on hold. Goes to the... Oh, I've got some right chance here. Well, no, I'm this bloody idiot here. He's offering five grand. He only does a 50 quid. We'll take that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I can't win. Whatever I go in with, I'm in the dark. And it's kind of... And I think... You know, our agents is trying to get the, the most money they can. Or is it just, you know, if I don't know what I'm... If I, if I don't offer a suitable fee, they think I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, it's a very hard kind of... It's, it's a massive chicken and egg, you know, and... I drive and they say, right, there are, there's one site, I think it looks a bit of a dodgy website to me, but <clears throat> they've got a list of all these prices for all the bands, and it's like, you know, quarter of a million bracket, under a thousand pound bracket, $50,000 bracket, blah, 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 you know, and you sort of go, oh, I'll go and book, you know, someone like, say, I don't know, some 41 or something stuck in there, and they're in like the 10 grand bracket maybe, or you've obviously got, you know, Metallica in the quarter of a million dollar bracket or something, you know, you just think, well, it would be better if they could give you that, but yeah. they don't, because they almost want to get them a little bit more, you know, um, so, like I said, it's just when it comes to fees and stuff, and, and like I said, when it was, you know, when it came down to the one band, I said, I, I said to you know, the agent in question, three, two, one. If for argument's sake, you know, I said five grand, and she comes back with all oh, between three and six, I'm like, well, there, there you go. Look, we're in the same ballpark, you know. Yeah. Now we can do a deal because you know I'm serious because I'm I value the band the same as you, or that's what you're you're selling them out at, you know. Um, and then obviously fees that will um, sort of dictate, in my eyes, where that band go on the bill. You know, because um, you're not going to pay a band who's first on five grand and pay a headline of fifty quid. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it would be nice, and you know, if Metallica want to pay for fifty quid, they're welcome. But you know, but it's that kind of thing. It's just you know. So, it, and like I said, I, uh, you know, it is it is probably again I keep saying it, it's singly probably the most frustrating element of the of, of the entire process. You know, and, and it's time consuming as well, and it's. Uh, um, 
I wouldn't say stressful, it's just annoying. So you know, I, no, I, there's an offer, can you get back to me? And so I'd um, say your your frustration really quick or it doesn't you know, Your your frustration with that process is the lack of transparency, isn't it? I think it is, yeah, and it's just a lack of like, you know if they're I mean I think uh, if I said you know, in year one we try for Bush, right? They'd done bugger all and then all of a sudden Gavin Rosdale ends up being on the voice or whatever. Yeah. Well that's their feet right to the bloody ceiling, isn't it? You know, up it goes. You know, that we didn't know that and you kinda of think, Well, I'm just gonna offer them, you know. We've looked at loads of bands, you know, even like you know, bands like say R seven and stuff like that and they said, you know, you know, you've got to fly some of these bands you've got to fly them in. You've got to pay for the flights, you know, and they want hotels and stuff like this and then that's suddenly you know, that's another two run on top, you know, straight yeah. away for these, you know, for overseas bands, unless they're over here, and if they're over here they're gonna play somewhere else. So you don't have the draw. So it's very hard to get, you know, you look at Bloodstock and they've got a couple of exclusives, but they've obviously, you know, much more sizable budgets, they get a lot of people through the gate. Um but I think it is, it is just that transparency, but then nobody know nobody wants to know what these bands are going for. I get asked by loads of promoters, even kids studying at university, study doing theses on, you know, band management and stuff like that. Oh, can you tell me how much you pay for X a band? No, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say any fees to anybody, you know, because it's not I can't you know, and again, it's the same when agents say, Who else is playing? I can't tell you because I haven't announced that band yet. Yeah. You shouldn't be privy to that information because you're gonna you're then if you wouldn't like it if I did it to you. You know, if I suddenly said to, I don't know, such and such a company, agency, oh, by the way, bye-bye, but hang on, does he tell the other agencies that he's booked? Do you know what I mean? I've got to be, I can't let that information out, but agents try and get it off you, and I'm like, you know, they know, they know how the industry works, and I shouldn't have to, you know, let my sort of bands I've booked out prior to try and attract another band, you know? Yeah. Um, and like I said, yeah, the, tra- the transparency of it is, is quite frustrating, because it's just sort of, you know, like I said, it just comes down to, I know what I'm doing, I'm not an idiot, you know, but I realist, I know I can't book, you know, same like, say someone like Bloodstock, they know they can't go out and get the Iron Maidens and the Metallicas and whatever, and the Guns N' Roses, because they could, but they wouldn't get enough people through the gate, or they'd have to put the price right up to warrant paying, you know, I don't know if GNR said they were like two million or something, you know, that's a lot of money, and it's yeah. kind of, um, you know, it's again, you know, when you book bands for small shows and stuff like that, I mean, if if I want to book a band and they're, you know, they're asking a festival for ten grand, they're not asking that when they're playing an O2 Academy. Well, they might be. I don't know. You know, or are they asking that when they play the, the Lemon Grove in Oxford or something? You know, there's you know you look at you've got to think right. Well, if if a, if a venue only holds two fifty three hundred and they're booking that band, they're gonna to have to be like seventy quid a ticket. No one's gonna pay that. Is that their, is that their one band of that year that sells you know promotes their festival? You know, there's another. You can look at that angle. Um, but like I said, yeah, it's just, it would just be nice to know right this band. Uh, Five grand, okay, all right, that's nice. I'll book them. Or this this grand, you know, this band of twenty grand. I thought if I budget at the moment, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, well, well, look, speaking I... speaking as it from from a being in a, I mean, Sharon always um, sends us any offers we get. Um, and sometimes, sometimes she'll, you know, she'll accompany the email with like, you know, with a little, with a little line about, you know, what, what it's about or, or, or whatever, or, you know, her, her take on it. And then she'll ask me what I think. Uh, and, um, and, and I'll usually make a decision and sometimes she might push back against it. But usually if I've made a decision, I've made a decision for a good reason. And I've, I feel I've thought of, you know, of all of the whys, the wherefores and, you know, whether or not it's something we should do or, or not. Um, but sometimes it will be a case of, you know, she'll send me an offer and I'll just reply and say, look, you know, uh, in fact, I did it this year where we got an offer and I emailed her back and went, well, that fee is a bit 2015, if you ask me. So can you, can you, you know, can you go back and say, we want something, you know, 
it needs to be something beginning with a blank. And um, yeah. I, I know they say they can't confirm anything else at the moment, but if they can't confirm main stage and a fee starting with, you know, a, a particular number, yeah. then unfortunately, you know, we haven't, you know, we can't do it. And they came back, yeah. uh, they came back within a day with the fee and confirmation of main stage. And I was like, right, great. Yeah. Let's do it. And it was. I, just, I mean, sometimes you know, you know. I mean, sometimes it's really easy. I mean, you know, this year when we booked Ginger, you know, it was literally just someone brought the band to my attention. I thought that's fucking good, aren't they? You know, she's got some lungs on her. And then went to the agent, and literally, I don't know, within eight hours, booked. Yeah. You know, probably the, the easiest, quickest booking. You know, some agents are like that. You know, I don't know what. And other, I suppose you know, when when the bands get bigger or whatever, they or you know, they are. Oh, are we actually tour. We've got an album. We tour next year. Do we? Do we, oh, we, we don't want to do the festival. Let's just do a club tour. Again, it, you know, it comes down to that. And I think, um, like you know, you know, that was shown quite a few times. And it's you know, she's one of the, you know the good guys out there. And it's sort of, um, but like yeah, so it is. It is one of those sort of things. You just think, you know. Um, and again, like I said, I appreciate you know that bands want. You know, they they have to get a certain and everything else but sometimes they don't even come back I mean we had one agent um, they wanted to they said oh this Russian band are interested oh, that would be, be really interesting and uh, we thought oh we could put them in there that would be quite fun for a little bit of a giggle you know get some press out of that and then uh, they came back with a suit of like you know $25,000 I was like oh that's a bit freaking rich that one so I fired back yeah really started out of our budget and they said what could what would, and they, you know, it was quite a good little quite a good, quick email conversation sort of thing and they said oh what would it, what would it take to uh a fee to become accessible is all you take bloody four zeros off the start. <laughs> yeah, you know, is that all? Yeah, because that's yeah. You know, again, yeah, you know, we were wildly off on what we thought they were going. You know, that sort of band were going to charge. You know, and obviously I appreciate you know, for bands coming from Russia, but well, wherever, yeah, you know, wherever they're coming from, whether it's Australia, Japan, you know, it's a long trek. Yeah, you know, so a fee has to replicate that. Um, but like I said, you know, sometimes I just I laugh at a fee. Other times I'm shocked by it. You know. Yeah, and I think, but but I think if you can if you can at least get the dialogue going, um, I, you know what I mean. I mean, some, I, I mean, you know, for Sharon, for instance, our agent, where you know, where I'm, I'm sure there's instances where you know people approach with like ludicrous fees, and she'll just, you know, she'll refire a, a response back straight away, going, "Well, look, you know, no." But well, that's, that's a good thing, though, because when it's when it's done that way, and it's kind of. Again, I was dealing with one agent, and you know, this agent has won awards, and I'm like, I don't know what for. I mean, is it for ignoring people, ignoring emails? You just kind of think, look, I've been nice enough to send an email that's, you know, hi, my name's Gary, I'm organising the festival, blah blah blah. Would you, like, you know, I'm interested in this band, please. And you get back, oh, blah blah blah. Yeah, dates are available. What's your fee? So you fire back a fee, and then literally six months later, nothing. You're waiting. You sent a chase up email, another email, follow people. Oh, isn't say five grand enough? How about seven grand? Why am, I, why, why am I just bartering against myself here? You know, can I have a can I have a conversation with the agent? And it's just the you know, the, 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 sort of the trail goes cold, and you wonder why. And then other times you kind of um, you know you spoke to the band, and they said oh, our agents waiting for the email, and you're then texting the band again. Oh, agent, I've got back. Oh, we're chasing up. Well, why isn't your agent getting on this? You know, there's an email. You've actually asked the agent to look out for the email. He's now had three emails. Yeah, what, you know, he's on holiday or something. What's going on? You know why? Why am I not? Why am I not being spoken to? You know, um, and it's that kind of thing. I don't think there's no. Yeah, maybe they are on holiday. I don't know, but it's that kind of thing. Just like I said, you know, with someone like Shane, if you, if you, if I said I want this band and there's a fee, you go, sorry, could you go to this? Mm, yes or no? 
you know, I'm going to decide that. And if I think, okay, I don't mind putting on an extra few hundred pound or a couple of grand or whatever, um, you know, that's my call. But when you get nothing back, you just like, well, what, you know, what's going on? Well, the thing, the thing is, I, I, I sometimes I think that that nothing that response that is basically it's basically a no. But I, it, I know it's like, well, if you know, if you don't want to do it, say you don't want to do it. Don't just ignore me. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's that kind of thing. It's just you know, I've been nice enough to send an email that's polite, and I appreciate, like I said before, you, know, you probably get loads of them. I get that, but you, I mean, I can, you know, I've, you know, <clears throat> like organising this event, you know, we've countlessly said so many times on Facebook and on you know on the website and all that to apply for this festival please go through this channel do not text me do not text Andy do not text so and so do not Facebook me do not do this do not do that do not send anyone they will be deleted we will not read them because we're busy and it's, I know it's horrible to be like that but I've got other things to do so I, but I will try where possible any band says oh we're such and such a band from so and so we'd love to play your festival yeah everybody wants to play a festival I will copy and paste a reply that's polite and say, I'm really sorry, but this is the route you have to go should you wish to apply. Please don't apply you know, via an email or Facebook or that. You know, go through the website. Um, but you're still going to get, you know, when we, when we close band applications this year on the 31st of October, I, we will get a deluge, a deluge of band saying, can we play? It's like, well, no, the, the application process ended. Oh, we didn't know. Well, where can I put it? You know, I don't, you know, we're, we're living in this internet age now where it's always online. It's on Instagram, it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, it's on, you know, it's on our website. But, yeah, but I love, um, I, yeah, but I love, I love that, that typical um, uh, 2018 response, that entitled response of, well, we didn't know. Like, like you, you have failed in your job as a festival because yeah. you, because this band in, but fuck nowhere, who no one's ever heard of, yeah. didn't know that the application... It's like, well, that that's not on the festival, that's on you, dickhead. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's one of these sort of things, you know, and like I said, I love being in a band all night, and I, again, you know, when, when, even when I was in a band, I would send out burnt CDs and stuff and everything else, and I'd post them to venues saying, look, we really want to play at the, the Zodiac and Oxford, we want to play... You know, the beer keller in Bristol, we want to play here. Can you find us a support slot or anything? Because we're from Charlton, we're not a big band, but we want to play, we want to get out, out of town, we want to, you know, expand our horizons and stuff. You know, there's, there's legwork in it. You have to go and find it. You have to go out and, you know, even, when, even if we were playing somewhere in Oxford or whatever, I would personally, and it's like, we're going back, you know, like my last gig was in 96, so we're going back, you know, 20 odd years. But I would literally, time for a reunion, I think, I would send out, um, I would find all the local independent record shops and I would, eat, I would post them a few flyers, a poster, and a burnt CD saying, hi guys, we're so-and-so, we're playing at this venue next week, or you know, two weeks' time. If you like our stuff, it'd be great if you could just play a track in the, in the, in the shop, you know, because you're an independent, you're not, not HMV and stuff. Yeah. An independent shop, and here's a couple of tickets to come and watch us, you know. You get out there, you can't go to every town you're going to play and post yourself. I mean, I used to go, you know, I used to get caught by the police fly posting all the time, you know, when that was the thing back back in the day. Yeah. You know, I went out and tried to promote my festival, you know, even like, you know, to promote my gig, even out of the festival, I just went to see, you know, Diamond Head last night because they played Cheltenham. You know, I met up with, you know, Brian and all that and had a good good natter. And then, you know, they gave out a few flyers. You know, I go to all these gigs. I pay to go to these gigs. I, I travel around the country. You know, I went down to Mammoth Fest in Brighton the other week to just fly the event, you know, um, with obviously with the organised permission. I'm not just going to, you know, bowl in like that. But yeah, it's yeah. that kind of thing. I do go around, you know, sort of, um, you know, last, you know, last year I flew over to Dublin to meet up with Dead Label. You know, it's not a, you know, that oh, was a bit of you know, a nice little jolly trip, but it's that kind of thing. It's a, it's an element of the event that I like is actually going out and meeting. These, you know, I want to know who I'm booking almost. You know, I want to see them in a different scenario because um, it's, it's you know it's, a, it's an enjoyable process. You know, and it's it's an enjoyable thing to be doing. And, but like I said, you come back to the sort of you know 
dealing with the agents and stuff, and it's just like, oh, you know. But then I just want to book some bands. It's not hard. And just that being open about it, I'll then, you know, you know, bands, some bands are, some agents are, so I don't, you know, they don't want to do that. It's, it's not what they want to do at their stage of their career, blah, blah, blah. And I, I completely understand all that. But then it's just, it's done. It's, there you go, finished, door shut. Move on to the next band. Not just, why did he, did I, I emailed him a couple of months ago. I haven't heard back yet. Should I go back again? And like yeah. I say, I know, yeah, you should probably take that as a no, but it's not hard just to send an email. Really sorry, guy, the budget's not, you know, that feels there. Or, um, I mean, one band we wanted to get this year, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of festivals want to get them. Um, they just come back, so not over till you know this month of the month of the year. They won't be. They don't wish to come over in July if they're going to come over in June or August or September. You know, if they don't, so you can't have them. So that sort of whittled down. That whittled, in my mind, I guess suddenly working like which festival they're actually going to play. You know, or which ones are available in the UK they could play. Um, and you think, okay, well, yeah, you know, we're not going to have them, and it's that kind of thing. But at least that door was shut. Yeah. And I can move on from that. And, and sometimes agents will say that they're not available, but we've got these other bands. Who do you like? Yeah, and I picked yeah. up a couple of smaller bands. I picked up a couple of smaller bands that way, but at least then there's a conversation about it, and they've, you know, they're interested. Okay, you know, band A can't play. We've got band C, you know, B to B to F. You know, pick one of these guys. Yeah, but you know, know what? That that for me, and... that for me is an agent who is properly doing their job because they are they are yeah. you know they're they're. <clears throat> They're doing their job for their business because it's like, well, no, we haven't got that band, but there's there's other bands you can book. And they're doing the job of those other bands yeah. as well because it's quite simply gigs that those bands wouldn't have got if the initial approach hadn't actually been for somebody else. And that's, that yeah. is really, what you know, one of the major reasons why, why you have a live agent is to pick up stuff like that. I mean, you know, obviously we're with K2 who's... Is is huge now, and but you know that's not always been the case. But we know that people approach, you know, you know, we we might get offered stuff where it's you know people haven't actually, you know, but they haven't been after us, but we've been, you know, we've been put into the hat as as one of the bands they can make it. You have got, and they've gone, oh right, yeah, cool, I think, okay. Yeah. I think a lot of it is. I mean, you you know, I suddenly think I open my book, and you suddenly you think how many, how many bands are out there? Hundreds of thousands, millions probably. And you suddenly think, literally, I cannot think. I cannot think of a single band right I couldn't give you a name right now. Johnny, it's that kind of thing. And you get a brain freeze. You say, oh, or, you know, I didn't think of it, and that's a cool shout. Like I said, you know, you sort of like, I went in for this band, and then, do you know, I haven't done that band for a few years. I've, yeah, actually, yeah, I'll put them, you know. Um, I mean, like, you know, going back to earlier on when it was like, you know, with the sort of agent like ballparks and all that again, you know, when we announced that first year lineup, so and so band actually texted me saying, oh, I know my mates' bands are playing. We really want to get on that bill. We're so and so. I'm like, I've heard that. I remember that name now. Oh yeah, your agent. He's an asshole. <laughs> so <laughs> literally, yeah, text conversation with. I get in a text conversation with this band. Saying, I'm really sorry, I can't book you. you know, I've, I've tried. And what happened? But I don't really want to get into a slang match about your agent. No, and it, the tone really changed. You no, know, we want to know because we're really pissed off. And I was like, oh, hello, this is like this isn't going to go well. Yeah. And I basically said, blah blah blah. Rude email. We don't do ballpark figures. So I basically went, fuck you then. And he was like, fucking agent, like we had enough of him. And I left the gigs in months because the agent was doing that, you know. Yeah. So some bands will go, you know, that's not good enough, you know. And it's and it's that kind of thing. I know, like I said, you, know, you, you sign up to the beast, and you know they they will look out for you. They they have to, you know. That's what they're there for, you know. If a, if someone comes in and wants to book you, and they say, oh, what's five hundred quid? You go, what? Well, well, that's way below. You know, we don't want to do that. We don't want to play some little toilet, you know, in Tyrencester for argument's sake, you know, because it's not it's not where you want to be right now. And I, you know, again, I understand. But again, if that conversation's there. Amazing. When it's not, again, it comes down to the most single, most most frustrating thing I do in this whole thing is that is the lack of everyone bangs on about you know 
communication. But we're in that age. We're in that age. It's not hard to send a quick email or a text. Sorry, not available. Yeah. Or, you know, thanks yeah. for your offer, but not acceptable. Great, thank you. Out of my league, I appreciate that. We move on, you know, and it's just it's a lot easier then. Um, but like I said, when you know, when an agent comes back, oh, we've got this band. One agency I booked a couple of bands through, you know, um, just a couple of weeks ago. The one band we wanted, it does take time, you know. And then another band said, side of the lineup that doesn't really fit where we want to be, you know, which is obviously a bit odd because you're on tour with three of the bands. <laughs> but, you know, that's the <laughs> band's choice, you know. So that was the band's decision, which is I find, I find really odd. You know, it would have been a good shout for them. But, you know, that's, again, you deal with that sometimes, you know, and it's sort of, um, and again, I, I get, you know, our lineups, they are a bit all over, you know, not over the place. And, it's, you know, there is thought in there. Like I said, you know, because we're jumping from stage to stage. If, if I had a classic rock band on the main stage, I know Pilka would have something on the very metal art stage that will counterbalance that, and vice versa. You know, and that's yeah. Because you just the one thing we want. The one thing we want to try and do there is it, you don't just have your metal stage. You don't have your punk stage. You know, you can watch a punk band in the bar on the on the main or on the second. You know, move around the site a little bit. Don't just be stuck. I'm just going to watch that stage all day. You know, because then you're going to see a different. You know, and it's that kind of thing. It's that sort of again what we're trying to do there. You know, so um, yeah, like I said, you know, this sort of the book and the band thing, it's, it's fun when you're, it's so cool when you get an email back, they're in, it's like, yes, you know, we've got them, you know, it's taken six months of wrangling when you could have just said, you know, probably in a couple of hours. But again, like I said, you know, a lot of these, the bigger bands, they're waiting for other, op- other options, you know? Well, funnily um, enough, funnily enough, option comes in. well, funnily enough, we had, we had a, um, we had, we had a little bit of a, a an interaction this year, didn't we? Which was like, which was kind of weird because it yeah. was like, it was, it was me and you direct and, kind of like getting Sharon in as well you know what I mean it's a, yeah. a, a, and and you know I, I'll be completely transparent with you um the fee yeah. was great but it was it was yeah. it was purely the, the the slot that you offered for me it did the, the yeah. it just the perception it just it it wasn't with the greatest respect it just wasn't prestige enough it wasn't you know it, it oh, was yeah, just, no, that's the thing. I, I think, you know, it was an, it was an idea I had I thought that would be a in my again, you know, I'm a, I've got a different look look to it to you. I'm not looking at where. Yeah, you're your, just looking you know, at your day. Yeah, you're just looking at your day I'm and what would be, work in that yeah, room at that, thinking, at what that a, time. Yeah. Yeah, what a wicked, what a wicked way to end it all. They're back and they're just they're going to officially do. It's like you know, I suppose when we had Evil Scarecrow, you know, and then we they inadvertently played the main stage when they shouldn't have, but then we just brought them back. You know, it's just one of those sort of things, and it's kind of and that's no slight on any band at all. It's just it's. Again, it was just an idea we had, and yeah, again, we get cool. a lot of festivals. You know, people, you know, this sort of online, the, the online troll, and I love it when it's just sort of like <laughs> you put that by no shit. I mean, we had one, we had one person. I think we've only had one one critique of our um, lineup so far, which is great. You because know, we're, we're we're trying to find new bloody bands. We're not we're not booking the Metallicas and the Guns Roses and the Iron Maidens. We're not booking the Megadeths, the Sabatons, and the Slayers. You know what I mean? We're trying to find. Yeah, but by the by the same by the same token, I I think. For me personally, I think there is a particular group of bands who are on every single bill that I ever see on a certain level of festival, and I and I think it, and that's it, what I think. So, so, and, 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 and you're and you're we, trying to mix we, it up, we, you know? Yeah, and we are. I and mean, the thing is, we want to invite certain bands back, and it's you know, it's not. I go, oh, can you get that band back? And you know, even this year, we've had every band from this year want to come back. You know. Reef said they wanted to come back. They said we won't. We got. We we'll wait till we got another album. Out. I know. You know, Puddle and Mud want to come back. You know, Source had a great time. Therapy had a great time. We're not. You know, we're, we're a small event. We're a grassroots festival. We're trying our best. You know what I mean? We, when we're trying to find these new bands, and then when we put out the lineup, and suddenly you get one one person, <clears throat> and after the person that's pissed me off the most, it's one person. You know, do you know what I mean? Because I'm working. I'm working hard on this. I'm not. You know, this isn't 
a little, this isn't a little hobby. This is, you know, like I said, I sold my house. Everything's into this, you know. I'm not, and I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to fold. I don't want to give in, you know. It's, it's going to work. We know it's going to work. But when one person says, oh, what's this festival? They've obviously blown all their entire budget on Mushroom Head, in brackets, why? I don't know. And just booked a load of lo- a lower tier bands. Fuck you. What do you mean lower tier? What do you mean? What, where's that coming from? What, are they second rate? Are they shit? These, these are bands that are new. They're, you know, they're, not all of them, admittedly. You know, we are, um, yeah, we're finding newer bands. But a lot of these bands, we look at some like Massive Wagons. You know, they played first year. Uh, we look at Hands Off Gretel are doing loads of cool things. You know, it's these sort of things. You know, these smaller bands or, you know, you've got, um, you know, there's Massive from Australia and all that. You know, all these bands are doing stuff. They're selling out little venues around the UK. They're, they're on Planet Rock Radio, on, on repeat. They're on Kerrang Radio. They're, they're out there. They're, on, they're in magazines and all the rest of it, you know. Why are they lower tier? What do you mean by that? What? Because we haven't booked Metallica, Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses. When you would say, oh, we're going to go Iron Maiden again. Boring. Do you know what I mean? You can't win with some people. And it's kind of, I said, yeah, we're trying to find, you know, Pilko books his bands because he's obviously worked with them, you know, or they use them. And that's the whole holiday. It's the very metal art stage because they're, they're his clients, basically, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He's booking bands he's worked with. He knows. He knows inside out and he loves these bands. You know, he's passionate about what he does. I'm passionate about what I do. And it's kind of, and like I said to you, you know, I book bands based on. If they want, if they make me want to get up on stage, I don't care if they're industrial punk, indie rock, metal, thrash, or whatever. I don't care if they get me and they go, I like that band. That's why I try and book them, you know. And I hope that other people go, <clears throat> you know, they trust my judgment that I'm not going to book a shit band, you know. A yeah. band can have a bad performance. Don't get me wrong, but we're trying to find the best bands. Like, so I go to so many gigs and um, other bands are go, oh, you're really cool. I saw a band last night. I thought they were wicked, you know. Um, that, you know, and it's that sort of thing when I think, oh, I'll put my book in them, you know, I'll have a chat with them. It's that kind of thing. It's, you know, you, you find, or, and people are texting me saying, oh, Gary, I went out last night to see so-and-so or like some like Crossface or whatever. The support bands are amazing. Check them out, you know. People try and throw me bands as well. It's not like, it's kind of a, it's quite nice when people say, oh, I like this band. They've got me infused, you know. Let's see if Gary can get them on Amplified. It's that kind of thing, I think. And then you suddenly get this sort of, um, don't know any of the bands. That's the bloody point, you twats. Could come and see some new bands. You know, don't go because you're going to go to Bloodstock. You're going to go to Download. You're going to and you're going to moan. You're going to go. Oh, we've got the same lineups again. Same band. They've obviously bought Cradle of Filth back. Oh, you know, Download have bought you know, Black Sabbath back again. Oh, bloody hell! It's just like okay, we'll go to the new Blood Tent or go to the sofa stage. We'll go here and find you know, go and find some new bands. That's what festivals are about. They're, they're a melting pot of you know musicians and sort of people who go because they love music. Yeah, and don't berate a band because they're not as big as you think they are they're, they're, a, they're a band they're, they're doing the old you know transit van around the UK bloody thing you know, you know but that's, but that's what I love about, but that's what I love about and... that's what I love about playing festivals is that is, is, and, and you know I'm 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 really, really banging the drum at the moment for you know for I mean we're playing with Akakoki at Christmas which is a lot of people have gone, well, that, that's bizarre. And it's like, yeah, great, because their fans are going to get to see us and we're and, and, and um, uh, our fans are going to get to see them. And that's the whole point. You know, when are people going to realise that if we go on tour with three other thrash bands, we're all we're playing to the same fucking people every fucking night. You know, there's no no one's coming to that who's never seen us before. And that's and I love yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not... you've got to expand your audience. As a band you've got to expand mm. your audience. You know, and, and that's why it makes sense to be to, to you know and that and I think that's a you know, that's a big reason why festivals are um are are more and more popular as well, is because it is a chance for bands to expand their audience and play in front of people they wouldn't normally play in front of and make new fans. Because if you're not making your audience bigger, I mean, I mean, you know, you're just gonna die. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the, the biggest buzz I sort of get from it, or tonight I've done the, I say job, but it, well, I suppose it is a job, it is a business or whatever, you know, same as everyone else, is if someone says, I went to Amplified and I saw X band, fuck me, I didn't realise how good they were, I've found my new favourite band. That's what it's about. You found a band you didn't think, you were never going to go and watch them, because you never heard of them before. But you bought a ticket, you, you've taken a punt on a festival, you never heard, especially in the first year, you never heard of Amplified. It's a new thing. You've got to give it a whole weekend. It's not, I'm going down to local dog and duck for a fiver, you know. You've got to pay 60, 70, 80, 100 quid to get in. You've got your tent, you've got your food, you've got your bit. You know, it's an expensive thing to go to a festival, you know. There's, there's charts out there that say they work out how much people actually spend when you go to these events. Oh, my tent sucked, I've got to get some wellies, I've got to get this, I've got to get that. You know, it is expensive to go to a festival. So go with an open mind, knowing that you could, you could see some awesome bands. But when you get people online, and it is this, this trolling thing, you know, and people have got a right, they've got a right to say what they want, and I haven't got a problem with that. But when they just go, don't know any of them, well, there's the bloody Spotify playlist. We've given you, you know, collated all the band songs, you know, that are playing over the weekend. Go and have a listen. And then if you don't like it, great. But don't just go, don't know any of them. Well, how do you know about a band? You know, you only know about Metallica because you, you wouldn't have known them when they first came out. Well, I mean, bigger it, than you. well, it's basically, at, at, no point, at no point do you go, right, well, that's, you know, that, that means that you've got a, a finite amount of bands that you're ever going to be into then. If you're, if you're, you know, that, exactly. if, you're, if you're not prepared to give new bands a chance, then then that's it. I mean, you know, has, is anybody saying sorry, my re- sorry, my my music taste is closed now? There, there's no other, you know, there's, there's no other options for <laughs> well, any of the would, bands. You would think that, I think you would think that when you see some of these comments online, and you kind of think, um, you know, regardless of which festival it is, and so you know, the, 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 the sort of. I wouldn't say vitriol that's thrown out, but they're sort of like, oh, I ain't going anymore because it's shit. It's the first time I'm ever going to go. But, you know, you've got festivals that they've announced like eight bands. Download haven't announced anyone yet, I don't think. You know, you think, and you, you know, they're probably already slagging off the download lineup, you know, and it's not even, not even out yet. You know, there's <laughs> yeah. there's going to be someone waiting, waiting patiently by his keyboard, like, oh, you know, dribbling and like, you know, blood coming out of his eyes. Oh, I don't want, I don't want bloody Iron Maiden to go, oh, and he's, all, he's already there. He's ready. You know, he's ready to type it up. Yeah. And you just kind of think, and it, it comes to these sort of, you know, we've had discussions and, you know, when it's just, my crazy idea of, you know, putting on a festival and you get people like Andy involved who's very, very knowledgeable about, you know, everything, you know, basically, it seems. <laughs> um, and other friends get involved. You start having discussions going, why do people actually go to festivals? What attracts people to festivals? Is it the big, the big sort of showstopper headliner? Or is it just the event itself? You know, oh, I'm going to go to a festival. Like, you know, Bloodstock's one, you know, you know, it's one of the best out there because it is a family, you know, it is a, well, there's not a phenomenal amount of kids there. It is a family-friendly festival. And it's just that everyone's the same. Although there is different, you know, when they had um, is it Zion or whatever, Zion Travel, they had that, and I was like, what the fuck are they playing? They were one of the bands of the weekend. You know, they book a band like Skinger, and oh, Skinger's not good enough for Bloodstock. One of the bands of the weekend. Don't think because it's you know, they're a bit of rag and metal or whatever, they're not, it's not, you know, Bloodstock used to be like a, you know, dark metal festival. No, it bloody wasn't. There's always been a bit, you know, sort of out there with like Saxon Blair and stuff like that. You know, it's never been a sort of yeah. black metal festival, dark metal. And then some people go, oh, well, I'm not going to go if they don't announce, you know, whoever for the headline is saying why you're going to go <laughs> that's bullshit you know because it's a weekend away and it's a good it's a good laugh you know and you're going to meet all your mates you know and it's kind of and I've always been honest I only go to Bloodstock because all my mates go you know and it's just a bloody good weekend I don't I don't really care who's playing well, 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 yeah, well it's, it's funny you should say that because um, last time I saw you, it was just you know we were, we were in VIP just drinking away. I think I yeah. I, I saw three bands my entire in, in two days. <laughs> well, I know I know I didn't see any of Goodyear. I heard about it and said they had a great light show. I didn't know any. You know, I didn't see any um, uh, Judas Priest. Do you know what I mean? It just wasn't. They're not not they're not bands I don't like. I, mean, I love I love all bands, but it just just wasn't. I wasn't in that zone at that point at at that festival to go and watch them. 
I was somewhere else chatting to somebody probably, and I talk a lot, as you know, and it's just, you know, oh, shit, I miss Katera. Oops, a daisy. Oh, well, catch him somewhere else. I saw him at Dano the year before, so it's all right, you know. It's just kind of, and again, you go, it's just that you're going to meet people you've met before, or you just carry on chatting, or, you know, someone's going to ask me about the festival, or this or that, or I'll, you know, I bump into Adam Gregor or something, have a quick chat. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just a, it's, you're out, you're out, you're away from home, in the field, in the tent, you know, enjoy yourself. And it's kind of, to have this kind of already preconception of what festivals are doing and all oh, the lineup shit. I'm not going when when an event's announced eight like you know, eight bands and they've got another, another hundred to announce. You know, you think, you know, just like I say, if you just shut up shop about who you're going to listen to, you know, you're going to be stuck in a routine. It's like when you know when the bigger bands tour, they know point blank. You know, if I want to go and see the Rolling Stones, I don't give a shit about their latest album to be honest. I want to hear Brown Sugar and you know Paint It Black and stuff. That's yeah. what I want. To I want to listen to their classics. And the, the big, you know, the bands know that, but they've still got an album to sell. They're going to have to bung a couple of new ones in that people don't really want to listen to, or they're not as, you know, it's not in their head yet, they're not classics, they're not, you know, you know, like say, you go and see Metallica, you want to, you know, you want to hear one, you've heard one a thousand million times, but you want to hear it again, you know, yeah. it's their best, you know, one of their big tunes, it's that kind of thing, so you can't be closed like, you've got to just go and go, right, you know, I don't know who, like I said, you know, hands off Gretel are, I go and watch them, it may, it may not be my thing, but wow, they're quite crazy, they're quite cool, you know, and yeah. you find a new band you might like, and I think, you know, that, like I said, that's the exciting thing about these events, you know, you just go and if, as long as you go with an open mind, you know you're going to get rock, metal, thrash, punk, you know, let's be honest, you know you're going to get all of those, you know. Um, and I just think, you know, just find some gems, you know. You know Absolutely. All these, you know, all these events, we all, you know, we all put up the Spotify links, so go and find the bands, just go out there. Don't be like, you know, buy a bloody new t-shirt, you know what I mean? It's just sort of like, don't just keep buying that same old one because it's, it's been reprinted, you know, it's just sort of, and I think that, yeah, it's just, you know, I said, you know, that's why I do it, you know. And now I'm back being excited again because we've got off the agent chit-chat. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it is, you know get, out, get, get out there and just, you know, I love nothing better than just going to a gig. And I mean, years ago, I used to put bands. I'm like, look, guys, you've got seven bands on tonight and it's four quid to get in. It's the price of a pint. And people are moaning. And it's all been on Facebook. We all know about it. Support local venues. You have to, you know. There's so many of just shut down in Cheltenham, you know. We're losing venues all over the place. But people will moan. They'd rather moan and just, you know, just... And not just part of that five quid and go and watch some bands, start a few more venues, you know. Yeah, and but it's might a, find but, a band you actually like. And you'll, you'll get... Yeah, but I'm I'm seeing it in comedy as well, mate. It's actually getting people out of the house that's the hard part. You know, yeah. it, it's. Every... It is. I mean, like I said, I, mean, I think I'm mean, used to. I used to manage a uh, manage a bar and a venue um, over in Stride, and it was just, the, the venue itself was like an old chapel right, in, a, in an old um, convent, believe it or not. Amazing venue. The backdrop was the old stained glass window with the font. You know, it was a wicker place. It was all carpeted, but it was all you know, seated. You could have stand, but obviously the, the old floors may not take it. But it had like 150 people, and their, their concept there was to film it and stream it live, so you could sit at home and pay to watch a band in a small because it was a small venue. It was only, you know, literally held about 150, I think. And they would have acts like the Magic Numbers and stuff like that. So all kind of folky, rocky you know, sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a new idea where you could literally just sit at home on your laptop, or yeah, you, know, you could. And I think their idea was they they thought about people who have a lot of money who have like home cinemas and stuff. Yeah. And their surround sound systems and all that. And yeah, just just live stream this this gig because you couldn't get that many people in the venue, and they were trying to do you know, various kind of like really you know, really nice kind of cool music, you know. And um, you know, I, I know Van Morrison recorded you know, recorded some stuff there and things like that. It's, you know, it was a really cool place to be. I had you know, a really nice recording studio, everything else. Um, so they moved into that era, but like I say, a lot of people just sit at home, like everyone, they will go to the big gigs. Um, but then, you know, again, as we know, people are moaning if, you know, Metallica on tour again, it's like 100 quid a ticket. Well, that's what it is. It's 
So many people they employ. <laughs> yeah, How yeah. Come to get that sort of shit over from America. You know, I'm a massive Queen fan, as everybody knows. And when they say they're taking these, you know, like five, six articulated lawyers into Argentina and Brazil, it's a lot of money. And that was back then, you know, back in the 80s and whatever. Yeah. You know, it costs a lot to bring these big shows. And, um, I mean, I recently went and saw, you know, I made in Birmingham. I saw, you know, one of the last Black Sabbath shows and stuff like that. Great. You know, the production's there. You're watching, it's almost like Vegas, you know. You're watching a big yeah. theatre show. You know, the big, it's a spectacle. And, you know, you've got to pay for that. It's not cheap. It's not, you know... It's not about, you know, the bands don't really need the money or those sort of level of bands. They don't need the money anymore, but it's still a bloody business. They've still got, they've still got people who work for them. Well, they might, not, they, they might not need the money, but they also can't afford to lose money. You know, and, exactly, and, and, you know, and it's very easy to, it's very, to and, it's very easy to lose money when you're putting on a tour of that size. Oh, Christ, yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, when you look at, um, you know, acts like the Rolling Stones or Britney Spears and people like that, you know, they're, they're putting on big, big shows, big productions. You know, whether it's just video screens or pyrotechnics or you've got like pink flying through the air on a you know cable or something that costs money you know and it's kind of and it's, it's a massive industry i mean i did a music expo a few weeks back and you've got you know white wendell's there off planet right you've got toby jepson from you know wayward sons um rob from stampede you know press was there we're all just like chit-chatting away and then you know you, you, we do a q a and it and it, it was true i mean you got you know toby and white are very knowledgeable you know um and it is just, it comes down to money. It's not, you know, and as why, and so we said, it's a business, you know, and never, yeah. even though it is, it, it's the same, it's not, you know, people get into a band because they love live music, they want to play in front of people, I know that, but I, I you know, some you know, guys in bands come up to me saying, oh, you know, how do we get onto the festival thing, or, you know, what do we, as a band, what do we need to need to be, you know, to be attractive to someone like you to book us? And I said, well, you know, it's, it, you've got to think, don't think you've got great songs. If your image, you know, becomes, if your image is shit, you're not going to go anywhere, you know. If, if people can't pack into your image, like with the Spice Girls, you know, something like that, they had five people in the band who were all different. So they're going to appeal to a mass market. They're not just, you know, five girls all looking the same in, like, say, you know, in suits, you know. Yeah. Not the sporty one. You know, they, and that, it's that kind of thing. I said, you know, but normally, like a rock band, they're going to go out in, you know, black jeans and, you know, whatever band cheese that they like and, and a leather jacket and, and perform on stage, you know. And I just said to the guys, you know, you kind of, you've got to think it isn't, and it's, it's horrible when you think like that, but yeah, it is a business. You've got to, you've got to look good. You've got to sound amazing. You've got to have the right artwork for your album. Don't produce. And they said, oh, what merchandise should we, should we get? And I said, well, whatever you get, get the best you can, but the lower quantity. Because if you get shit, people are going to know it's shit. And it is a, you're, you're, you're a brand as well. You know, it's like we've noticed with Amplified. It's, I'd rather spend more getting T-shirts printed by a, you know, a more national-based company to ensure the quality is there. But you've got to pay for that, you know. And it's kind yeah. of... If it's, you know, there was, I think it was, was some of the Bloodstock pieces this year. I'm not I'm, I'm going to go at them, by the way. But, you know, they're, they're, they were falling apart. Why that was, was it a production problem? Who knows? But you never want that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can give them the money back, we'll get them another T-shirt. But it's, it's better to avoid that at the start, you know? People are amplified T-shirts everywhere because they like the Stag logo and stuff. And it is a, a nice brand, you know? It's what we've tried to aim for. We want people to be able to want to wear it even when they're not, you know? I mean, again, I, I get that kind of buzz, you know, when I go to these festivals and... Um, I see an amplified t-shirt or a hoodie or a cap. I'm like, oh, amazing! You know, they're at another festival. I don't want to piss you know, those sort of festivals off, but it's no different than someone going there and wearing a whacking t-shirt. I'm yeah. like, oh, wow, it's cool. Someone's actually, wanted, someone's actually wanted to wear that today. And I'm sure you're like, you know, you see an acid range, that's fucking cool, man. Someone's Absolutely, mate. My Absolutely. Band yeah, it, it, I mean, you know, it, it, I, every I time I see one, every time I see one to this day, I still think that's really fucking cool. You know, and and yeah. and sometimes we get we get people post, you know, we get people tweeting us or whatever saying, "Oh, I'm at so and so, seen three acid rain shirts so far," 
you know and it's just like that's so fucking cool well look mate um, we're going to have to uh, actually, we're going to have to wrap actually, this some, up someone's actually decided to get up in the morning and wear haven't they you know? <laughs> yeah exactly well look we're going to have to wrap this up but before you go I'm, we're just going to finish the main part I now um, I now have um, uh, some questions from um, some Patreon subscribers so hang on there that's the main part of the interview done <laughs> Okay, so um, cool. but we are we're ne- we're now going to go into question time. So um, so bear with me one second. And there we go. There was my chat with Gary. So much, I mean, such balls to to take on a new festival to just go like just dive in and do it. Um, I think it's absolutely commendable. It really is. Um, and you just think the 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 just the range of stuff that you've got to be across. It's almost like you know. Booking bands is almost it's just a small part of it when you look at the logistics of a festival and and everything else. But uh, I, I mean, look, I'm telling you what you already know, what we've already talked about. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to go to another new festival. There has only ever been one Stone Deaf Festival, but it went very, very well. Um, and now we're going to hear from Jenny Duncan, who is involved with um, Stone Deaf. She runs basically the marketing I thought this would be an interesting, uh, you know, a, a different side of things um, and be an interesting, uh, an interesting angle. Um, and it turned out to be that way. So without further ado, here from Stone Deaf Festival is my chat with Jenny Duncan. Hello there. Hello there, Jenny. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Isn't that all really nice and polite? Oh, well, you know, that is me. <laughs> Oh, I, really? Ah, right. Okay. So, um, uh, the, the world of uh, the world of marketing must have uh, uh, must have been on the way to changing that at some point. <laughs> no, I think it's just probably me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so, um, so we got um, we kind of is it, you know just to sort of give people listening a background. We we sort of um, hooked up on Twitter um, when you first joined. Um, I think I, I think um, myself and Acid Rain were some of your earliest followers. Um, I think you were. Yes, it, that's quite correct. Although I used to follow Acid Rain far long before Twitter was even invented, so oh. I'm much cooler. <laughs> oh right, okay. I didn't, I didn't realise that. <laughs> no, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, so it, oh, let's go off on a tangent. So have you, have you seen his live over the years? I have seen you live, but it was in the 80s, I'm afraid. I haven't seen you more recently, but that's just purely because life and children and gigs don't sometimes mix. Yeah, I, look, it's absolutely, totally fine. I completely understand, but I'm now curious as to where you saw us and, and when. Oh, OK, so we might have a friend in common called Craig Dalton. Ah, right, OK, yeah. There we so, are, so, and so I, um, I'm a friend of Craig's. So are you in, you're you initially from the North East then? Originally, yes, I'm from Newcastle, but you really can't tell. I know, I sound very high in 57. Well, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Craig's parents and my parents are friendly, and uh, we used to and Sorkin's and there we go. Right, OK, so, uh, yes, well, for a start, you called it Newcastle, so, yeah, it doesn't say, you've definitely lost the uh, the urge to what, call it... Yeah, the urge to call it Newcastle. I know, it's because my children kind of go, Mum, it's bath and grass, and I have to go, no, it's bath and grass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. So um, so to give you a bit of a background, um, uh, I kind of, uh, and this is all going to go out over Christmas time um, as a, as a two-part uh, Christmas special on festivals, because 
um, it just kind of developed. I'd done an interview with a friend of mine who set up a festival, and I kind of, and I just kind of got to thinking that it was obviously it, it's something that is is huge, uh, certainly in the metal scene, um, and um, and relevant to everybody listening. And so uh, I've got um, I've got agents, bookers, festival organisers, um, and I wanted to get um, your perspective of somebody who uh, markets a festival. I don't know how involved you are on the booking side, if at all. Um, I was presuming you're just purely the marketing side. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't do booking, but uh, we're quite unusual in the that we all have a have a have a bit of a say. Um, but no, we definitely have a guru Dan Booker who is responsible for his master of art and pleasing the population and us. Right. Okay. Because because um, obviously you're a, a fairly fairly new festival, had it, having had your first year this year. Tell me um, tell me how that went and and what was it like to market something from a standing start? Okay. So. Um, mm, it was a very interesting ride. I think um, I had offered to help initially, but for a variety of reasons, didn't quite work out. And they came back to me earlier in the year, from about February, and asked if I'd be interested in marketing them. And I left it the chance because I'm a music fan, and I think it's really important. And I really missed a good, solid one-day festival that celebrates the art of music and the friendliness of it all, um, rather than other bits and pieces that kind of sometimes creep in. Uh, and so from a standing start, it was actually quite an interesting, very much of a challenge I'd go for is a, is a, is a good phrase. Um, certainly from a Stone Death point of view, obviously we're a completely unknown entity and the fact that we're all volunteers was interest some people and also, you know, quite frankly, maybe other people stand up and think, oh, go, they can't possibly do it. So to have pulled off our first inaugural Stone Death Festival and being Quietly pleased how it went, so much so we're going to go for around, you know, difficult second album, um, festival number two, and it's been very positively received. Obviously, uh, it's nice that we've been able to um, do what it says on the tin. We've put on a good, solid one-day festival that other people want to come to um, because they're fans like us. Yeah, and and that's a, a really important important point you make there, which which I, I think might have made a few of the listeners um, sit up where um, where you mentioned there that it is in fact one of those very rare things these days, which is a uh, a one day festival. And and now correct me if I'm wrong, you're you're outdoor or indoor. We're outdoor. Yeah, so I thought have, I thought you, uh, yeah, I thought you were, and that makes it even rarer. A one because mm. um, for me, and I will be speaking to a um, you know a few people over this. Where I, I guess I'm old school. Where I I always think if it's indoors, it's an all day. It's not a festival. Yeah, you know, yeah, well, it works. It works for us. We want we want to you know we all well halicon a days of going to you know Donington Monsters of Rock type one day event. Really enjoying it. Yes the weather was part of it and you know i think at the end of the day we missed that particular aspect of festivals that isn't really covered in the uk market currently so we all got together and decided that there was definitely a need for it and thankfully we've been proven that other people wanted to join us in the field too right i mean i and, and it's funny you should um funny you should uh, bring that up about um uh, at Donington when it was you know one day and all the rest of it um, because it, uh, is that a kind of because I, obviously I noticed the bill as well is kind of sort of kind of metal slash hard rock so it, yeah. it, it's it, you're kind of you'd very definitely know the marketplace you're going for yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just something that we miss. I think that, that's it's all come out of, you know, we missed that as an individual. A group of individuals got chatting over Facebook and said we all missed it too. Uh, so there was, there, there's, there's a Facebook group full of people who was a clearly unidentified market who were similar. I mean, to put it into marketing speak, everybody else said they missed it too. We thought, well, we'll try and see how successful it was. And, you know, thankfully... We seem to have hit the nail on the head in the fact that other people have also agreed that it, it, you know, we don't want to be something that we're not. We're not aiming to be a three or four day festival or a two day festival or whatever. We're aiming to be a great, solid. It's all about the music. You won't miss anything, you know, because there's nine bands, one after another, with a little bit of entertainment in the middle of it. And, you know, great beer, low prices. It doesn't, you can park close to where your tent is. It doesn't cost the earth to come. Uh, it fills up a bank holiday weekend. It's, you know, it's an adult atmosphere that children are welcomed. And um, if that's what you'd like to do, then come along and join us. Yeah, no, that, that's that, that, that's great. And uh, um, when you say, so what, did you did you have any other forms of entertainment there as well? Um, because yeah. I, I, I can appreciate for, for one day, it's quite, it must be quite hard to get um, people who aren't bands to commit to it. Uh, well, I think I think bands miss it too. I think certainly that the the atmosphere that we created last year, and certainly the bands that got themselves involved, have felt the need for this particular festival too, and that's really a positive thing. Certainly, the bands that are getting involved this year have also said, "Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, that's something that we remember doing." Or certainly, you know, some of the new classic wave bands that are coming through said, "Yeah, I remember." you know, listening to my parents talking about or actually that's what I want to be able to go and do myself. And so certainly they all also feel the need for a, for a, for a one-day festival. And it's and the thing is, it's less of a commitment, it's less money, um, and um, and all of those, of course, are, are, are important factors in the current marketplace. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we're, not, we're not pricing ourselves to do anything more than what we say on our, on our flyers. You come, have a nice time, well, I'd say a great time and a fantastic time, but, you know, have a great time, bring your friends, sit in the field, watch the music, drink some beer, eat the food, go and sleep in the hotel at the end of the day or come over and camp. We, we're we not, you know, we, we're offering both. Um, and at the end of the day, that there is some, you know, there's some stores there and they're great stores to have and there's also great food outlets. Like, what's not to like about something that doesn't cost the earth where you can remember the days of old when we were all at it, you know, we're quite select at the moment in our numbers because we're only a small festival. There's, you know, a, a few hundred, a thousand last time and obviously we're aiming to have slightly more this time. But, you know, you never know. It could turn into that great big bank of stack of amps that we that we saw in the Halicon days and <laughs> we were part of making that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for those for those people listening, um, could you um, could you let us know where um, the geography of the festival and also um, the bill that, that that you had on last year? Okay, yeah, sure. So obviously we're in uh, Newark, uh, which is near Nottingham. It's central London. It's quite well serviced with regards to uh, roads, rail, etc., etc., etc. And we chose that because we wanted to be in. There's a lot of rock and there's a lot of heavy metal and there's a lot of, uh, uh, but and it, quite a lot of it is Midlands based. It does seem to be, you know, I live in the South Wall. So Stone Death is made up of a load of people from all over uh, the country and from abroad. We all got together and the idea behind it is we wanted to get to somewhere fairly central that we could all get to 
that you know um, make, makes makes it worthwhile for everybody to be able to get to. So last year, obviously, on our bill, we had the most amazing uh, Skid Row, and they were you know not the socks off. Uh, the audience, they all seem to really enjoy it. We had the choir boys, we had Wolfsbane, Graham Bonnet Band, who obviously was, Graham Bonnet was on the original Bonington uh, Monsters Rock stage and he graced ours. We had Anvil, um, you know, the up-and-coming Massive Wagons, fantastic hand designs, Nerf, oh my gosh, what a fantastic band they are, Chrome Molly, and then we had Fallen Mafia, who were our Battle of the Bands opening poll winner. Um, we used um, Crusher, uh, obviously, <laughs> legend of old who um, compared our stage and brought yeah. the whole thing together brilliant brilliant i mean i, I mean that is a that's an incredibly strong lineup for a for the, for the first year of a of a festival yeah. and, and 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 really kind of well put together because i think it i mean i mean i think I, I, you know, I think I said this on Twitter to you. I was like, "Wow, great!" But I mean, it's like not my own personal kind of thing. But if it was, I would be going, you know, "Wow, that is the perfect bill." It's a really, really impressive will and we're really well put together. Um, and Crow Molly are on there. Wow! Now there's a name I've heard for years. Yeah, they're stonking. They just, no, just were fantastic and so well received. And I think the great thing about Stone Death is that it's particularly, you know, with our following on social media and obviously we did Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, is that some went away with another favourite band. Um, I think that's a really honouring position to be in and really humble um, as a promoter, uh, you know, that actually we're encouraging other people of various ages to find different types of music. Um, it's not all the same poppy stuff that comes out. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes you, just, you might not necessarily have called the band, but actually seeing them live really inspires you. And I know I've certainly followed quite a few of the band's comments that they've had, and they've felt the same way, that they've, they've walked away with new fans from, from, from the arena. And that, um, well, that's what, you know, that's what playing a festival is all about, really, um, is, is is getting front of, in front of people who wouldn't normally see your, ba- see your band. And that, again, that's why, that's one of the reasons why pe- festivals have become so popular, because it is very difficult as a band to be, to get heard over the noise on social media. People tend to follow the bands they follow. Um, yeah. And and unless they get recommendations from people, or you pop up on a on YouTube or in uh, or in Spotify due to an algorithm and checking another band out, the only way you mm. actually will check another band out is if you're at a festival and and someone's playing. I mean, I know when we played Bloodstock back in 2016, we got we had an, a, a massive influx of people um, uh, on our socials who who had never I mean, purely came to see us because we were the last band of the day after after Mastodon and it was literally like we we kind of won both ways because it was either people who were disappointed with Mastodon set and and didn't want that to be the last band of the day they saw or really enjoyed Mastodon set and didn't and and want so you know wanted to make the day last as long as possible you know so it's kind of yeah getting out getting out in front of audiences that might not not necessarily buy a ticket to come and see you is is just a vital part of a uh, of of a band's career you know at the at the moment um, yeah, you're quite correct, and I kind of think you know, fifty pounds for an arena or sixty pounds for camping, unless you're buying a bulk buy or whatever, it's not a lot of money for a great day's worth out uh, enjoyment. And to, you know, nine bands on our on our bill, you won't see those nine bands again on that exact bill. So it's kind of they are kind of special occasions 
that we are and memories that we're making. And certainly from last year, the well, everybody, you know, there was a few minor niggles like there always are with the first bit of festival, but everybody seemed to genuinely enjoy the day, got what it was about, wanted to come back again and bring their friends. And who's not going to enjoy that? Yeah, absolutely. And and while you're here, why not um, give us a plug as to who's been confirmed for, for this year? OK, so I can confirm, obviously, because there it, it is in social media land. We're very happy to confirm. We've got the most amazing Glenn Hughes. So, you know, he's going to call, uh, perform classic Deep Purple live tracks and a few others, you know, the voice of rock. Uh, it's fantastic. We've got Diamond Head, again, you know, legendary uh, you know, well-known bands who have formulated quite a lot of, you know, quite more metal bands than kind of heavy rock. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got the Amorettes coming over from Scotland, who are, you know, they ladies, three piece, fantastic. And we've got Massive, who are coming all the way over from Australia, who once again, you know, they're all bands who love their music. They've got fantastic stage presence. They fire up the crowd and leave them wanting more and you know the four bands we've got already confirmed um you know i'm i'm very excited about it that's brilliant that's brilliant so um from a from a kind of marketing and promotion uh, promotion perspective um i know you've you've kind of you've got you've got a um you, you set up a sort of inverted commas um business uh twitter account um and at, how do you spread the promotion i mean you know are you are you adminning the facebook page are you just mining twitter how does it, you know what avenues are you using okay so that's quite an interesting one um my remit is marketing and press so actually i'm covering everything and anything in those particular fields yeah as head of it i get to you know kind of dabble in a bit but obviously we've got people who are dedicated to the cause so we're quite lucky and we've got a team of people who are working very hard behind the scenes and we've identified a couple of people who do Twitter, we've got a couple of people who do Instagram, we've got a few people, more people do Facebook because that's one of our biggest pages at the moment and then we're obviously identifying groups of people who might be like-minded and want to listen to a similar kind of music and then obviously feeding off each other and and creating a, a quite a great web of contact for encouraging people to find Stone Death and to, uh, you know, utilise the resources that we have. And we're grassroots. We, we, we don't have backers. I think that's the important thing to say, is that because Stone Death was started off where I, um, you know, there, is, there was a little bit of individual money that, that went in from, from a group of people. And then we have a group of legends who all bought T-shirts and committed to Stone Death before there was any, any line-up last year. We've done exactly the same thing with our early bird tickets this year. But at the moment, we are financing ourselves to ensure that the festival occurs. Obviously, we would love to have sponsors and promoters, and some of them are coming along the way, which is fantastic. People are getting quite excited about it. But at the moment, it is all through ticket sales, T-shirt sales, and you know, kind of little uh, events that we're doing that we're able to fund Stone Death and put it on at the scale that we have which is an amazing achievement in today's, I think, heavily saturated festival market, as everybody used to be last year at all. It's very heavily saturated. But it is, but there wasn't a one-day festival that you could go to with this type of music on. Yeah, you've, you've created, yeah, you've got, you've created a niche by, by going back 30 years. 
yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and work it and, and yeah and all, all all of a sudden the, the you know we would say history repeats itself and um you know it's a new idea but it's uh, it's an old idea just brought up to date yeah absolutely and we're not we're not protesting to do swings and roundabouts and fire-eating dragons and various other bits and pieces just not what we're about we have the music we've got a good solid atmosphere it's a very secure site um, I think the nice part about it is it's very quick drying, so <laughs> you might have some muddy trainers and some muddy bits and pieces, but almost there's a fair bit of outstanding too, which is quite nice. Uh, wear your cap, <laughs> protect yourself from the sun and do all the kind of things that people are, you know, kind of like very important to people now, but just basically come and have a great time. We're a very friendly festival, certainly a lot of the re, uh, reports that we had is that people, you know, our volunteers are volunteers and they're all wanting to do it for the benefit themselves. So, you know, there's, there's not a, there's not an I am, it's a definitely are a we are or a team. Oh, that, that, that's great. And did the did the sort of the more the more classic kind of uh, publications um, give you any backing as well? Like, for instance, I'm thinking of, you know, Metal Hammer and Classic Rock, because I can imagine that 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 bill kind of appealing to their readers. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's quite an interesting one. I think um, it's sometimes really hard to play with. Um, you know, and, and to be noticed by people. And I think people have got our, their eye on us. Certainly, I have had a few you know, uh, PMs and direct messages, etc., with regards to people who are serious and watching what you're doing. And I think, you know, if we're finding it tough, then being a band must be really, really, really hard too. Because um, it's, it's really hard out there. I don't know what yeah. you find about it. You know, I think it's really hard to work out exactly um, what to do, how to do it, uh, and for those particular people to be able to, um, well, just be able to survive in, in a very competitive market. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, they are, there's an old adage in show business, love, um, yeah. which, is, which is, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, um, yeah. I mean, you know, from our perspective, I'm I'm lucky enough to have been around for so long um, uh, that uh, yeah, there's there's you know, I I wouldn't say calling in favours, but I do know uh, you know, I know a lot of people who will you know put coverage our way and all the rest of it. But I think to be honest, it, it's more a case of people just knowing the the band having been around for so long. And that that kind of generates interests it, it, on its own. So I, I think you know your, your you know your position is is like that you know is that band who's just starting out and mm. wants people you know to be interested. And you know it, it's it's a very and you yes you've got a bit of a USP because you 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 know you were a one day festival and you're you're aimed at a particular kind of market that nobody else really is is catering for. Um, and um, and you want people to take notice, and I I, I kind of think it's one of those where it's like anything else. I think you know you're you're going to find it a lot easier as the years go by, but I think there's also a certain amount of suspicion from uh, magazines, both online, offline, and and all sort of music no, um, uh, um, news sources about festivals just popping up because they've been burned by festivals yeah. popping up, disappearing, never being heard of again. Absolutely, and you know, I think with the rate of festivals, some festivals falling last year, um, people quite rightly, 
you know, don't want to stick their hat in the ring too early just in case uh, they are burnt. And my answer to that is you can never be at the first ever festival of, of something like Stone Death and all those people who are at Stone Death, they're our ambassadors. They're the ones that we, you know, we need to have kept happy and pressed, but also made them feel as though they were at something special. And I think, you know, to some 2,000 people there, I think we were able to do that. And certainly the comments that we've had have been very positive. And certainly the band comments that we had with regards to the artists that we looked after, we were able to um, utilise what we were able to do. And, you know, people talk. And I think, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no such press as good press, but obviously bad press could be really damaging. Um and I think that the people have been, other fans have gotten really behind us. They've excelled how great it is. They're encouraging other bands to get themselves interested in coming other, other fans to come. And, you know, it, it is kind of snowballing into the fact that we are making waves. You know, we've made, we were little ripples last year. We're making waves now. And that's a nice position to be in. We don't want to run before we can walk. We don't want to say we can, you know, have, you know, super stadium bands there because at the end of the day, you know, we are a small one day festival and we are growing and, you know, with time, who knows what's possible, but certainly people are watching and they're, they're saying, yes, they're interested in playing in the future. And that's a very pleasing position to be in. Um, it's very humbling too, because we've, you know, sit up and somebody's taken notice. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you know, the, 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 with the first year going so well, then obviously there's going to be a second year, um, and, uh, well, you know, I say, obviously may, you know, sometimes that's not the case. Um, but also, um, it, you know, one thing that festivals do struggle with is, is dealing with the sites and site owners. Um, and, uh, I, I, whilst I appreciate that's not your particular area of expertise, I presume that they were more than happy with you because you're, you're going back again. Yes, that's nice to hear, isn't it? And I think, you know, apparently one of the comments were we left it tidier than they actually gave it to us. So that's a... That's <laughs> a know, that's all down to Yes, it is. And it's all down to the volunteers. You know, we were all sat there Sunday morning in the sitting rain, uh, you know, some longer than others, but literally the site was spotless. And we, you know, we, we would, we want... So, uh, you know, you refer to my accent to begin with and kind of, you know, that's a, um, and, 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 you know, we want to be done as to we how we would like to be done by. I suppose that's the easiest way to say it. You know, we're honest people. We'd like to do it right. We want to make sure that everything is as best as it can be. Because if we if we were a paying punter, I mean, we buy our tickets anyway as uh, as a production crew, just as a few. So also that's our bit of money going in. Is um, you know, we would like it if I was a pen punter and I wasn't involved in it. Would I be happy to be involved in it? And if the answer to that is yes, then I think we're doing a really good job. And certainly that's what everybody else has been saying too. A site like us, you know, the vendors like us, the punters like us. I, my husband likes me <laughs> <laughs> after the event. That's the bonus. <laughs> so, is, is, so is he involved in it as well? Yeah, he has just a new part of my press, bless him. It's not his background at all, but, you know, it's certainly, you know, our press team, um, it, it was really important to make sure that everybody was happy. And so he certainly, you know, took, had the week, well, had a couple of days off and then kind of ran around and we ran around like mad. I did something like stupid, like 29,000 steps on the on the Saturday, 23,000 on the Sunday. Um, and and it, was, it was an interesting and very good fun experience. 
God, that's that. That is the um, that that is the age we live in, isn't it? You're you able to know how many steps the two of you did over the, over the course of the weekend. <laughs> it's not bad, though, is it? <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's just it just does my head in that I have I have friends who have the need to tell me how many steps they've done that day, despite Aww. the fact that I haven't asked. But you know, I I, I totally get I totally get where you're coming from. Yes. <laughs> Look, um, you know exactly. This time around, it was all about the sunblock and having enough bottles of water. You know that didn't happen thirty years ago. But <laughs> you know we have we've basically modernised the concept of you know going to a festival, which was a what great well, you know I. I can't say more iconic, helicon, all those fantastic words that we, you know, that we used to to use. I still look at a Facebook group today and go, oh my gosh, I went to that. I stood underneath the Donington tire and, you know, I've got pictures of me me there. And I actually, I, I so enjoyed that particular time. I'd like to be able to recreate that because I haven't been able to have that on, you know, radio or TV. You can, you know, it's something that we don't really have anymore. We don't have it um, you know, I don't know about you, but MTV in my day, you know, uh, it, was, it was a great source of, of, of finding out about new bands and it, actually hunting them down is really quite hard. But there's, you know, a few festivals that you can go to now to find out about new bands and, you know, new bands are really pushing themselves over social media and take massive wagons in the most fantastic uh, kind of method of, of launch likewise with those band pros there's a few bands at the moment that are doing really really well obviously other bands included uh in that particular genre that are, are really trying to sell themselves and, and, and kind of do it slightly differently so that they are noticed yeah and i, I did you I, i'm uh, picking up on that uh, have you um has the has the um the festival got a uh, a spotify account are you are you kind of like publishing um, uh, playlists and things like that, and is and you know, do you have a YouTube channel and and stuff like that? Yeah, we've we've got a YouTube channel. Uh, we've got a Spotify account. We're you know we're quite honoured in actual fact. One somebody who came last year just said they wanted to set up another one uh, for us. So actually, we've got one as well for Stone Death as well, which is which is quite nice. We're starting off our opening poll competition this Sunday. That runs for uh, it's five heats. So it's five weeks and. We've got between 12 and 15 bands in each heat, and that's for them to be able to have the uh, ability to say that they're the first band to play on the Stone Death 2019 stage. And, you know, some of the bands, you know, in fact, all of the bands in there are marvellous. They've done really well. They've getting themselves up and known. And we would really like it to be, a, 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 you know, it, 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 all the bands that have made the heat have done so well. For the bands that actually then get to be decided on the top 12 uh, amongst the production team, we're having a a voting system as to who goes through that particular band will then be supported by Stone Death for the next year. And the fact that we, you know, we've also started a Stone Death radio show by uh, Midlands Metalheads, and that's every other week. Um, and DJ and so Adam Onslaught, he's taken over that particular um, uh, under my direction, but obviously it's his show, so he runs the the, the, the content. Um, he asked to help us uh, to raise Stone Death's name, and you know, I think that's, that's just basically shows the ethos of Stone Death. It is a fan-based medium uh, pushing forward what we would like to see, you know, going forward at some of the festivals that we go to. Certainly, we can do. It, we're doing it, and it seems to be hitting the mark and fulfilling the brief that it's been set. 
That's awesome. That's awesome, Jenny. And uh, and by the sounds of it, um, it, it you know it, it's it's only going to grow and grow. And I, I do think that's an interesting that's an interesting kind of model that you've got there, where you know if people are you know it, where where you've got literally like you know fans saying they want to set this up or set that, and 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 letting them do that rather than being overprotective of inverted commas the brand and and you know yeah. and limiting your sort of your footprint. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously the brand Stone Deaf is growing, so there's going to be some things that work really well and there's going to be some things that don't work so well and we're exploring those particular options. But I think the fact that people just seem to get it and they want to do it as a voluntary capacity, they understand that it's not, uh, you know, it's not other, other with bells and whistles on it yet. I mean, it might get to bells and whistles, who knows? But, you know, at the end of the day, we're very pleased to hear from anybody who's got something to say that would like to help join the community of Stone Deaf. Don't get me yet doing anything wrong. It's not a commune or anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, it's, not, um, it's not a cult. <laughs> it's not a cult. <laughs> but it certainly is, uh, you know, demographic is, you know, kind of like 17 to 65, 70 old. You know, although we've had older and younger there, and, you know, we're a 50-50 base between male and female, which is also quite unusual. Um, and I think, you know, quite often we don't realise how successful it's been until we hear other people say that they've gone to this particular festival. And I, I, I was at a concert recently, and somebody said, yeah, I went to the concert, and I met Hans, oh, you know, I, met, I saw a band, they were great. And it was a really good festival. It was the first one, I was like... Really? Oh, you know, what festival was it? And she was like, Stone Deaf. And I literally put my hand up in the air and went, that's her. And, you know, <laughs> a bit, you know un- uncool, but cool at the same, same time. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was lovely to hear and really lovely that people, you know, we, that we're, we're, we seem to be doing the right thing. I think as long as we keep doing the right thing, then I'm positive that Stone Deaf will continue to flourish. That's great, and 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 one thing I'm I'm curious to find out about is, um, it, it, well, it's something that can make or break any festival, which is a relationship with the local authority. Um, mm-hmm. You know, have they have they again slightly out of your remit, and and you know, if, if you know, great, and if you don't, not a problem. But uh, you know, are you are you aware of 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 what that's been like? Have they have they got behind it, or have they you know what have any idea of what that's been like? Sure. I mean, I, 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 do, I can feed back that obviously we did have our local authority group meeting. Uh, we obviously had to put ourselves in places. We had to prove what we wanted to do. We had to say why we wanted to do it. We had to have enough risk assessment and valid answers for lots of things before we got anywhere near putting on phone deck. We were very positive in the fact that that was approved. And uh, with the understanding that as long as we meet the same criteria again, there's no reason why we can't continue in the future. Um, certainly Newark have been very uh, interested in us and the showground are very interested in us because we're obviously bringing in a weekend's worth of entertainment and money into the local area, which has a positive effect for them. Uh, it's a two-way relationship. They've got to be kept happy. We need to be happy. And uh, most importantly of all, uh, the people who come to the festival have to be kept happy because, you know, you can put on whatever you like, but if they don't buy the tickets, they won't come. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm 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 glad that you managed to to get it up in the running in the first place. And um, and and it, like I said, it, I mean that 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 first year bill was great. Sounds like the second year is coming together nicely. And um, uh, yeah, I'm I, I suppose we should mention as well what um what uh, what's the date for this year's festival? Uh, 
Oh, you're very kind. Well, it's August Bank Holiday next year, which is uh, very, you know, important to know. Um, the whole idea behind it is that the camping and everything else is available, but it is on the uh, 24th of August, 2019, at New York Showground, which is Nottingham. Uh, we have free car parking. We slightly pay more for camper van. Come along, bring your tent, pay your money, enjoy yourself. Hopefully the sun will shine again because we were very lucky last year. Uh, oh, this year it was. And, um, you know, come and be part of something that is unusual. Come and be part of a family feel to it. And that's not necessarily uh, kind of an age range, but it's more like a everybody rock family together. Yeah, yeah. Well, believe it or not, um, I, was, I, 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 I there's a, a real connection between me and that site. Um, it's also home to Europe's largest um, antique fair. Yes, uh, it is. They all day on a Sunday. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I've, I have been to that many, many times because my, my, uh, my parents um, uh, and now just my mother um, uh, have been antique dealers for 50 years. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Come so, down. so uh, my we... lovely, come down two days early. We will look after you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, actually, I know quite a few people who still who actually still do it in the uh, in the uh, antique community, and uh, one family of which I know who do it, who do love a festival. So uh, and and also have a camper van. So may well Ooh. may well end up taking you up on that. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, thank that'd you. For... Be, that'd be very rock and roll, wouldn't it? With your roll, well, you come come down the two days before where you load a beer with your mates, and the next day you're back to the bar. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, 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 yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'll mention it to him. That's for sure. But um, look, Jenny, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, I'll let you know when this is going out. And um, uh, you know. Um, uh, as always, you're in marketing. I don't need to tell you to share it. That's what you're going to do anyway. Yeah, we will. It's all good fun, isn't it? <laughs> Great, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, Jenny. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome, and I hope you feel better. All right, thank you very much. Bye, take care. Cheers, bye. bye-bye. And there you have it. Just imagine trying to get coverage for a festival, along with everything else that people are that, uh, uh, people are posting and labels are getting bombarded with, and uh, and you know, you've got to try and fight to be heard above the noise for a festival that is completely new. Also, at Newark Racecourse, in a strange part of the country where, you know, people are going to be like, hmm, really? Odd? But, um, yeah, I mean, as I said in the interview, not my not my kind of bill, but a really impressive, uh, you know, bill for an opening year. And um, they seem to be really, you know, they're doing it right. So, um, you know, as with Amplified and Stone Deaf, please do support them all you can. Now... I'm aware that that is two fairly new festivals. So why don't we hear from somebody who is working on a well-established one? Um, uh, Bloodstock has been around for a good few years now. And the man who handles all bad interviews, all bad, (laughs) sorry, Paul, all banned uh, interviews. um, In fact, interviewed uh, interviewed Acid Rain when we played there in 2016. Handles all radio, TV, avata- uh, um, uh, uh, interviews with bands. So is absolutely manic and on it and interacting with them when they've just come off stage or when they're going to go on stage and all the rest of it. So a completely different perspective of, um, of, of you know, working at a festival. But, I mean, it's hardly, uh, 
yeah, it, it's it's hardly being a steward. Um, so yeah, this is um, this is the man himself from the Bloodstock Radio podcast. This is my chat with Paul McMonies. Hello, Hello there. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. Thank you. Marvellous. That's um, that's very good are to you, hear. Are you, are you okay? To re- can you can you record with this then? Yeah, do it all the time. Oh, right. I, I always just use phone ones. I never use messengers to do recorded calls. So there you go. I only use messenger. Every day. I only use messenger and Skype. No, all right. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, it all, cool, it, all cool. it all hooks up to it all hooks up to my um, to my remote speaker, which is like the setup that I've got. Um, oh, okay. Funnily enough, it was it was Bobby Gustafsson who gave me the idea. Oh, okay. It's a little bit of a name right. drop there. Yes, as always, <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. Uh, we do indeed. Yeah. So, nice anyway, mate. Um, yeah, not bad, man. Not bad. I'm I am recording, by the way. Just so you know. That's fine. It's all good. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, life is good, man. Life is good. Um, looking forward to Christmas, um, which is cool. And um, I'm really looking forward to getting this fucking album mixed. But um, we haven't even got we haven't <laughs> even got right. one song mixed yet, and it's it's just taking a bit of time. Right, I okay. But you know, as long as the lyric sheets come out with it, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear I, I will I will no doubt have to explain that joke after the interview well actually I'll do it now um, yeah. but I once gave the mic to Paul in the crowd to sing along and uh, as can happen a... well you didn't forget the words you didn't know the words did you? no no I, ne- I never I never knew that. I don't really know I just sort of like mumble along with most songs even bands that I that I know inside out like you know as you know my love for Zentrix most of their lyrics I probably got wrong it's one of those, you know, excuse me while I kiss this guy moments. It's probably a, a, a variation of what the actual lyrics are. Right, okay. One of those Sue Lawley moments. Yeah, something like that. Anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I certainly would. I, I, don't, I don't think I would have, even if I'd known the words, I don't think I would have sung along with it, really, because I haven't got the best voice anyway. So. Oh, I am so giving you the mic as many times as I see you. Well, you know, we did it. Um, what was it that Sankfest one up in Burnley? I came on and did. Oh yeah. This is not a test, which is dead easy to do. So I can do, I did that bit all right. Oh, you covered yourself in glory that night, mate. That was right. that. That, that was good that... fun. That was the one when that was the one when you were on the ceiling rafters. <laughs> the what? Yeah, and uh, you should have put some money on that because you had predicted it, hadn't you? I did. Like, as soon as I got in there, I walked in there. Massive big... I mean, there must have been like 15, 20 foot off the ground. It's just like, hey, she'll be up there later on. Everyone was like, bollocks. He's not going to get out there. So seriously, he'll be up there later on. Somehow, he'll get out there. And, and there you were. <laughs> no, wouldn't want to let you down, mate. Yeah, good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So um, uh, you've just got off... Um, you've just been interviewing Soil Work. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. How was that? Uh, yeah, we got them uh, playing at Bloodstock. It was okay. It was good. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I got. I was told that I would be. I would be interviewing Bjorn, but uh, it ended up being David instead. Um, so it was okay. It was good. He was um, a little bit, a little bit quiet. Didn't seem as because uh, obviously thinking that I was going to get Bjorn, I did my usual research of just cribbing other people's interviews and then I'm going to listen to the guy so that I know who I'm going to be talking to and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I had a different guy and he was a little bit more laconic and a little bit more sort of slowed down than. 
and uh, Bjorn seems to be a little less animated, maybe. But no, he gave me, you know, plenty of uh, good information about uh, their upcoming album and tour, and obviously playing at Budstock. Oh, cool! I, I had brought Bjorn on this podcast many moons ago, um, and um, two th- two things he told me in the interview was that um, he used to play centre back playing football, which you can well fucking imagine. Um, yes. And um, and that uh, and that he was taking up model making to uh, to fill in the time that he used to play football. So, right. So, okay. so if you do get to speak to him, throw that into the mix. <laughs> I will do indeed, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so it, it, this is obviously it's a bit of a change for you because normally you're on the as as you just have been, you're on the interviewing side, whereas at this time you are you are the interviewee. So, um, you know, I'll be gentle with you, mate, as you always um, as you always are with me. Well, I, the, the thing is with interviewing is I always see it as a conversation anyway. It's a yeah. two-way thing. And, uh, you know, I don't do Q&A interviews the same as yourself. It's more of a, just a chat. So, you know, yeah. it's a two-way chat, isn't it? So, it's, it's you know, it doesn't really matter which side of the table each of us are on. But, as I say, you're going to be trying to get a bit more information about me this time than the other way around. So. Well, to, to be honest, it'll basically just be like a normal conversation between the two of you, apart, the two of us, apart from it's being recorded. Yeah, exactly. So, all good. Yes. <laughs> um and it's interesting that it basically, you know, what you're talking about now leads straight into, you know, what I was going to talk to you about because you're you're kind of you're, you know you're you're doing your prep for Bloodstock at the moment, you know, and it's November. Um, yeah. Because you've got a podcast to do, um, which is obviously going to feel feature interviews with um, with bands who are going to be playing at Bloodstock. Um, so it's 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 kind yeah. of an all it's kind of an all year round job for you, really, isn't it? Yeah, so when it when it first started, um, Simon Hall asked me if I wanted to do Bloodstock TV at the festival, which is just those those four days of the festival, obviously. But um, obviously, I was I had a radio show at another uh, another station back then. The station doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then basically, uh, he asked me to do that, and I said, "Well, you know, I, I, I'd like to do it. Yeah, I'll definitely do the interviews at the festival. But is there any chance of doing the podcast as well?" And then. And talked to Adam Gregory about that as well, and uh, Paul Gregory especially, their dad who started off Bloodstock in the first place. He's a he's a big fan of the radio side of things, and that. And so they they all sort of wanted to do that as well. So I wasn't 100 percent sure I was going to be doing that. That was um, Bloodstock 2016, by the way. So went and did the Bloodstock TV band interviews at the festival, and I, then I remember because you interview. I remember because you interviewed us. I did. I did indeed, and that, that was that was a very very planned sort of scenario, really, because um, when we when we first got asked to do it, Simon was just sort of like, you know, just do what you normally do. Well, well what I was normally doing at the, um, uh, at the, at the on the radio station were, were smaller bands, really, it was up and coming bands, emerging bands, metal for the masses sort of bands, and and you know, not that you're not a massive band yourselves, but the likes of Acid Rain and and Evil Scarecrow and that sort of thing would have been sort of like the highest up sort of bands if you want, but the main stage bands and that, I wasn't really being ex- expecting to be talking to them as well and the headliners and things like that, but we did end up doing that as well, so that was a bit of an eye-opener. I think I remember you, um, I think I remember speaking to you after you just interviewed Joey Belladonna. Yes, yes, well that was that was my biggest one because literally the, the, a couple of the first contacts we got were... Um, Behemoth and Anthrax, and they were like, "Yeah, we want to interview them." And I was like, "What? What? What? what anthrax?" Okay, so yeah, um, the the Joey Belladonna one was was interesting actually because he couldn't hear a word I was saying. So um, the only instruction I got from Bloodstock for the first year was that it was going to be interviewee only, which is you know, if you, anyone that's seen me, it's a good about face for red. Literally, just the cameras on the interviewee, and I'm standing off camera. 
So that went okay until I had to interview Joey Belladonna, who was deaf as a post, and he couldn't hear a word I was saying. So I had to get closer and closer and closer to him, and it ended up that my camera guy couldn't get just me. It had to be both of us on it. So it turned out that the biggest interview that I did that year, um, I, I had to be on it as well. Oh, dear. What's his name? That's brilliant. So, yeah, so it was... Um, it was well. It was it was it was it was an eye opener, as I say. But you, you, and at the time, I was very um, yeah. It was. I mean, we only got offered two weeks before the festival, so didn't have much time to prep. Didn't have much time to to you know any expectations of what what was expected of us. And it was very much a trial basis. It was very much you know see how it goes because obviously it's not going out live. It's all recorded, and the idea would be that we would then edit the videos and send them in. And if they were good enough, then they would put them on their YouTube channel. And if they weren't, then they weren't. So. It was very much a sort of trial and error sort of thing that first year. Yeah, yeah. Because I well, I noticed the difference seeing you, seeing you this year. You know, two years later, and you, I mean, you probably do more interviews in at Bloodstock than I do in an entire year. Um, and that's not, and that's yeah. that's not a fucking uh, exaggeration either. I mean, you really do. I mean, yeah. it's just one after another, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, the thing is, we, we, I say the first year that we did it, 2016, we didn't get told how many to do or how many not to do. It was just sort of like, you know, just go for it. So we ended up interviewing 78 bands that played that weekend, which was way, way, way too many. Um, but the, the main reason I did it is because I'm, you know, I, there was a, quite a few of the Metal to the Masses bands that I knew. And when you got a, a, a young up-and-coming band, you're like, oh, please, can we get an interview with you in that? And you like, oh, go on, then we'll crowbar you in. And that happened a lot over the weekend. I think when we went, I think I had about 50 bands booked in advance before we went and then ended up and I added an extra 28 onto it. So 78 interviews, but you, you sort of lost the quality with it a little bit. And looking back on them, it was kind of, you know, a metal to the masses band, you're sort of asking them all pretty much the same sort of questions and they're giving pretty much the same sort of answers because there's, there's very few of them that have gone through different experience. They ended metal to the masses for X, Y, Z reason. And then, you know, they got through to their final. It was great. And they just played their set of bloodstock and it was amazing. So, it, you didn't really get the variety in it. So in 2017, we were we were asked to cut it down a bit, and um, so we went down to about 30. And then um, at Bloodstock 2018 um, this year, we, we crept up a little bit up to about 40 again. So it's, it's, it is a lot of interviews, but when you when you spread them out across the whole of the the, the weekend, it's not really that bad. And we we do organise it and schedule it so that the, the the me myself and the camera guys we get to see the bands that we want to see at the festival. We'll we'll organise the the, the the interviews around them, unless it's the bigger bands, in which case we don't really get much of a say. It's just, you, that, there's your slot, that's, that's what you've got, and you have to take that. Right, okay, so everything has to work around it. Yeah, so that's basically the way that we do it, because obviously it's a, it's a voluntary sort of thing. I don't know if you work for Bloodstock. It's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's fan-based. Bloodstock are very much kind of, you know, by the fans, for the fans. All of them are metal fans that actually run the festival. They've all grown up with metal. They've not started the festival. Um, so it was just a sort of an invite along because, as I say, Simon had seen what I was sort of doing on the radio station. I, I covered the Metal to the Masses London for quite a few years, Mick Wood down there, um, and I'd done you know interviews with the bands for that. And so yeah, so it was just seen as being sort of an extension from there. And it and I'd say it's the same sort of ethos where you you know Bloodstock's got this massive commitment with the Metal to the Masses thing of, of you know up and coming bands, and that's where my focus has been for the last few years. So it sort of dovetailed really well with it, but. I'm not a professional interviewer at all. It's just, you know, I just, just talk to people. I've got no media training or anything like that. I'm just a fan that, that, that sort of got invited and asked to do it. But 
you say about the difference between this year and, and 2016, the, the, the main difference is that now, because I have more time to work out how to do the research and, and, and I've got my notes down better as to, um, you know, and, and to where to guide a conversation and where to jump around with the conversation and that, for the first time this year, I didn't have a red neon sign in the back of my head flashing while they're talking, thinking, what the fuck are you going to say when his mouth stops moving, which I've had for the last, the last few years. You're just, you're just thinking, right, where, where can I go from here? Whereas this year, I didn't have that at all. I was literally just sort of like, right, I know what I'm going to say next, and I know, I know where this is going to go. And you just you just get more used to it. It's the same as anything. Practice, you just sort of get more used to, to where it goes. And, and you get that more reality, which is, a, which is a bit sad in some ways, in that you, you, know, you don't get so starstruck anymore. They're just people. You just chat to them as people. And the way that I try to do it, I like to talk to the person rather than the rock star, because I think yeah. that's a bit more interesting. Everyone else talks to the rock star. Um, and, and that's great, you know, they're, they're, they're plugging their, their, their album or their tour, they're saying exactly the same things, but I had some, I've had some real moments over the last few years where I've, I've, I've said something to someone, you can tell it's something they haven't really been asked before, and they really sort of open up to it, and it and I think it works a lot better, personally. Well, it, you know, if you've got your interviewee engaged, and you can and you can mine a, a particular avenue of conversation that they haven't had before... Um, I mean, speaking as somebody who's, who's been interviewed a fair amount, um, that's what you love because it's like you know, yeah. loads. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you don't do the oh, you know, you've just come off stage and how was it and you know, did you slay it and which they get at every festival. You know, yeah. it, 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 I I totally get what you mean. Is it, it's almost like a challenge, isn't it, to find that question that does make that does make them kind of go oh. And and all of a sudden yeah. you're on. All and, of a sudden you're onto something. It's, it's, sometimes it's not going to be something that you've prepared. I mean, I, I, for the the big difference with 2016, as I say, we had, 20, we, had we had two weeks, so so I didn't really have any notes. So there was a couple of bands that I was interviewing, and quite big bands as well. I won't name them, but there was some quite big bands that were playing on the main stage. I didn't really know. I didn't really understand them. So I, I, I and so I was literally because we did so many, and like I say, that was why it was stupid to try and interview 78 of them because you just had no gaps in between. So. Even even if you get sort of five or ten minutes, you just literally look through their Wikipedia page or something like that, then at least you've got something. Because the key difference would be, like, for example, you, you interview a band and you just sort of, you know, like a new blood band, and you'll say to them, okay, so so who were you up against on the main stage? And they'll say, oh, you know, it was, it was whoever, Behemoth. But if you know that already, you'll say, oh, you were up against Behemoth on the main stage as well, weren't you? So how did that go? But just having that little extra bit of knowledge just makes it, shows that you've done your research and you know you know where you're at, and it just it sets them at ease a little bit more, and especially for the up and coming bands, because I think, oh, he knows that about us, and you know, because they're there, you know, the matter for the masses bands are, are just uh, starstruck. They're just like, oh my god, we're getting interviewed. You know, they've never been, most of them never been interviewed before in the Super Festival. So, so for them to actually get someone that actually knows a bit about their band, they're just they're just not expecting that at all. With the bigger bands, it's more expected. They expect you to know X, Y, and Z about them. But everyone else is asking them about X, Y, and Z. So I want, I want to want to try and ask them about other bits and bobs and say little bits about them. So I'll start off with, you know, points of information that I've got about them. To be fair, but based on what you said, I generally because it's because it's Bloodstock TV and because it's about the festival, I generally do tend to start off with saying, you know, how did your set go or, or <laughs> that. But then, it, and then I'll and then I'll, I'll go from there and sort of see where to bounce from there based on what they've said back to me, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I can I can understand that it's it's kind of like almost like a corporate ID, isn't it? That you have to sort of you have yeah, to ask well, that's about. What I mean. and, and that's, go on. Well, that's what's been the big difference for me. 
So coming from a radio station before where I could talk to anyone about anything and if they were playing Festival X, I could promote that. If they were playing X to a Festival Y, I could do that. With Bloodstock, it narrows it down a little bit more because the, the audiences that we, that we tend, the, you know, the, the audience that we're aiming at, and, you know, let's be honest, at the end of the day, it's to sell tickets to Bloodstock. That's why it's out there. That's why we're doing it. Um, but it's to try to keep it interesting. And the way that I've, I've tried to do the podcast is to always try to have content on it that would interest me because I'm a punter at the end of the day you know I'm a punter that just happens to have a radio show and then happen to be invited to do interviews but I still go to I don't know about 70 gigs a year majority of which is a punter so you go um, to more than uh, that you know, mate I, I, you go to more than that well, well <laughs> it's, it's, it's about that I don't know I don't it know, certainly se- it, cer- ago, but... it certainly seems like that as a as an outsider looking in yeah, well, I say it's, it's it is what you do, and I'm I'm lucky to be able to lucky enough to be able to do it. I'm not mega rich or anything like that, and but I have the I have the same conversations as say you know you see all the conversations about how much Metallica tickets are and how much Slayer tickets are and stuff like that. But it's the same it's the same you know judgment in my head as soon as a gig's announced. It's kind of like right, how much do I want to go to that? How much is it going to cost me to get there and to get a ticket? And how gutted am I going to be if I miss it? And then that's it. And if it's a seventy quid gig or if it's a six quid gig, it doesn't matter. It's the same. It's the same principle, you know, how much you know, how, can you afford to go? How much would you, you know, how much would you be gutted if you missed it? And, and that's it, really. So I'm, uh, you know, fortunate that I'm, that I'm able to go to all these to all these gigs. And, and, and I mean, the, the Zentrics, the, the, the tour that they did with you guys when you first came back um, is the key example that I'll always cite to anybody. So um, you did those six dates, three, three one weekend and then three a fortnight later. Uh, and I went to four of them. Um, and it was mainly, you know, priority was Zentrix to start off with, obviously, because I didn't really know you guys or know what you were going to be like coming back and stuff like that. But um, obviously Zentrix had been away for 20-odd years as well, the same as yourselves. So when we were driving back from Glasgow, me and Paul Bealby that had been, that had been up there, we were like, do you think that was a bit excessive going to four out of the six of them? And I was like, well, no, because I don't know when they're going to, you know, they could, they could finish tomorrow. And then two weeks later, I get a text message from, from Chris Astley saying that he's left. And, and, and again, it could be that Zentrix is over again. So that will always be my justification for it. If I can get to a gig, then I'll go because bands might not be around for, you know, I've got a, I've got a box in my, in my wardrobe full of T-shirts of bands that don't exist anymore. You know, and it's, it's sad. It's, I hate it. So I, I, if I like a band, I'll always go and try and see them as much as I can and and that's part of why I, why I got this, really, I suppose, because you get your face out there, you get your, you get your name known and stuff like that, and that's, that's why Bloodstock invited me to do it. And, and that's a, I mean, that is a, a, a fantastic philosophy to have, and I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think people do think, you know, bands are going to be there forever. I mean, witness the, uh, witness the conspiracy theories about Slayer, and it's like, you know, yeah. when we well, we both went to see Wembley, and then you 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 went off and saw in Birmingham as well. And uh, fair pay, you know, fair yeah. play to you. I would have done it if I could. Um, and you still get people going, oh no, they'll be. It's like no, no, you're you're. There is no conspiracy here. You're just in denial. They are going away. Yeah. Tom Araya, I've, I've kept saying this. Tom Araya would have retired in two thousand and eight if it wasn't for the financial crash. Because he lost yeah. a load of money in that, as did a lot of celebrities, and he was bang up for retiring yeah. back then, you know, because of yeah. because of the physical wear and tear. And then Jeff Dime was just the end of yeah. it for him. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, I have to say they were absolutely they were absolutely incredible. Though I mean, you know, I, I, I've seen them, you know, 
probably more than any of the bigger bands over the last same, 10, 15 years. Same here, and, same here. You know, a lot of the time they were a little bit, you know, but those, those gigs were brilliant, those last two. Well, I've, I mean, I've, I, I, I've said this on the podcast a lot, but I've, I've seen them on average twice a year since I was 17 and I'm 48. Yeah. Um, and it was just that, I mean, they were absolutely superb. And it was a Slayer show I've never seen before. It was a full-on, coordinated, amazing light show, great backdrops, awesome fire. It was just, it, it, was, it was a show I have never, ever seen before. And it was, it was superb. It was right up there with the first time I saw them. And when I saw them back-to-back a year apart at the Astoria playing Rain in Blood all the way through. Um, yeah, uh, I mean they were. What were they like in? Um, what were they like in Birmingham? Yeah, brilliant. It was just, it was the same again. It was a slightly different view that I had because uh, I said I've slightly. I've got a slight regrets about both of it. Basically, the, the way the way it happened was I was going with my mate on the on the Saturday, and we were standing going to Wembley, and he was the guy that I first saw Slayer with back when we first saw them at Clash of the Titans in 1990. So right. it was a real sort of poignant sort of thing that 28 years later we're, we're both going to probably see Slayer play for the final time. And at that time, I didn't have tickets for Birmingham. And then on the way, um, Errol, who runs uh, Flashosaurus in Norwich, was yeah. uh, saying that someone had a spare ticket. So I asked my I asked my son if he wanted to come. My son's 16, really likes Slayer, really likes Metallica. But he's, he's not that keen on the actual live and certainly indoors. He's all right with, with, with festivals. He's got quite sensitive ears. Even with earplugs in, he finds indoor indoor shows difficult. And I said it was an arena show and stuff like that, but I said it was standing and it was going to be, you know, four bands. It's a long show, stuff like that. Typical 16-year-old. Well, we're standing up for four hours. So <laughs> he didn't. He said, no, I, no, no, it's all right. You know, I, I won't go. Thanks for asking, but no, I won't go. So then I went on the Saturday to London, showed him all the pictures of the fire and everything, and he really, really regretted not going. So I thought, right, I'll see if I can get tickets for Birmingham then. And so we went, and we went seated at Birmingham because because of that because he didn't yeah. want to stand up for all of it 16 year old ridiculous but um but yeah so we were sort of um fairly near to the front on the on the, the right hand side looking down the stage and but it was it was great it was still just an amazing show and he absolutely loved it so so i think that's probably going to be the last time i will see them i saw that the download announcement said it's their last uk performance apparently so i can't see that i'm gonna i'm gonna see them again to be honest unless Unless the stars align, and basically, because I think Download's got an outstanding lineup this year, it has to be said, or 2019. And um, unless a lot of the bands that I want to see are on the same day as Slayer and Amprex and all that, I might go for a day, you know, yeah. to just go and see all of them one last time. So I might see them again, but I don't think so. And the last thing to say about it really is that I've now got on my wall an absolutely amazing print from Birmingham. Um, one of the photographers from Bloodstock Catcher. Um, took this amazing photograph of Tom Mariah just sort of in silhouette with all the fire behind him and there's two spotlights shining down that look like devil's horns above it and I collected it off her yesterday literally it's printed on metallic paper it just looks incredible so it's almost like that I want that to be but that was my last ever Slayer gig so if I do go to download that's going to you know, temper that a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's a similar story for me. I was I was there with my with my best mate. We we met uh, working the same job uh, in '86 when um, uh, when we were 16, and um, he heard I was into metal, and um, and we got talking, and he was he was into Priest, but um, yeah. it was it was. 
Um, it, and he was just, he's, he'd heard that this Rain in Blood was getting really good reviews. And he was like, you know, do you know anything about it? I was like, do I know anything about it? It's fucking awesome. Get it. Do. And he was like, oh, yeah. but it's an import. So I said, just fucking get it. And that was the and that was the uh-huh. first it was, it was the first album we ever bonded you know that we ever kind of like shared do you know what I mean shared an enthusiasm over it was like and and it was almost like the beginning of our friendship there and um, yeah. and all through the years I mean um, he used to he used to have a porn vid um, that he was always worried that somebody would somebody would pick out of his video collection and play so he called it Slay Alive knowing that none right. of his family would 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 go near that. Um, so, so Slayer has always, always been like, you know, all the way through our lives. And, and when we came out of that gig and we were walking away and we were both just like shaking our heads, like, it just doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem like that's the last last time we're going to walk away from a Slayer gig. You know, it was, well, I, 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 well, I sent you that MP3 for the podcast and you know, it's all, it's all in there, mate. It's, 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 it's all in there. But um, but going through um, going through a, a, a day at Bloodstock just to get to get back to that going through a day at Bloodstock um, what's 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 it talk me through a day you know you you you're staying off site you get to the site you know when are first interviews and when are last interviews yeah well um, well it, to be honest with you it's it's very much up to us they've, they've just left us to very much our own devices ever since so it sort of changed over the years so so the first year that we were there we were we were camping and we camp in the um contractors camping and then you know it's the same as pretty much everyone with backwards and forwards there's um there's a lock up in the in the vip area the press area where you can leave your gear overnight and stuff like that and it's safe um and do that um and then it's only this last year that we actually stayed off site and it's just it, it just makes so much more sense it's got that extra extra bit of kit and means that you can you can actually prepare a little bit more for interviews last minute on the morning and stuff like that so um without wanting to say that you know i'm, I'm 45 now you know i, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm done with the camping thing i think <laughs> so so yeah so it, it's pretty much that but it's it's the the actual day itself it's kind of a um bit of a juggling act really and it's something that I've, I've sort of refined myself over the years so as I say we've got our team we've got Topher uh, who is our is our main, my main camera guy and then we you know we usually have another camera guy we've had two different guys for the last uh, for the last year now so we might have a different one again next year I don't know yet depends on availability and stuff but but we all um you know meet in the morning and have a look through the list of who we've got that day um, I've got a little whiteboard that I write them all up on, so what order we've got them in, what time we've got them on, so that any other team can come back and sort of check in with that and have a look at where it is. Um, and then uh, we've got our, our own little sort of gazebo-y sofa-type area that was sort of kindly stole from Scuzz originally, because Scuzz didn't turn up the first year. That was, first year we were standing, first year we were standing up, we mean to be huge guys, yeah. we were standing up with the back guts behind us, and Scuzz were doing their interviews on the sofas. Um, and then they didn't. They, they we weren't doing them anymore for 2017 or 2018. So we we inherited those. So we made sure we got all our gear out and all, and all ready. This year was a little bit of a challenge because it was crap weather. So we had you know rain and stuff like that to contend with as well. But um, generally, it's just keeping in touch with the PR people and making sure that they're aware who you are. So I always try to if I see someone that you know or the, the people that run the, t- the, the, the press tent, um, Cosa Nostra, yeah. uh, Michelle and Kirsten from there. They're really very helpful, and, and, and you know they, they realised. I've been I've been in the press tent since 2015 because the year before I was doing audio interviews for the radio station. So 
I've got to know them quite well over the years. And this year was the first year that we were sort of invited to have the stay behind drinks on the Sunday and got absolutely wrecked. It was just so, <laughs> so we really felt that we were we were accepted. We thought, you know, we felt we felt really accepted. And the other thing as well with it was um, the Kajira interview that we did. Um, they um, they were late getting here, so they were coming over from Holland, um, and they had delays X Y Z. So we were supposed to be having it at whatever time. And as I said to you before, you know, it's Kajira, they're a headliner. We're going to move whatever we need to move to make sure that we're doing that. And we just get told as and when. So there's a lot of sort of standing around with that. So we went and did the Kajira interview. We had Joe. It was only about sort of five, five, ten minutes uh, because he was absolutely knackered. So we, you know, we just did that quickly. And then I found out later on that only two people had interviewed them, and it was the BBC and us. And Metal Hammer and Scuzz and nobody else got got given it. And the first year that we were there in 2016, when Gajira played and Slayer played, we got told, you know, you won't you won't get those. We'll tell you in advance now. They only do two interviews, and that's Metal Hammer and Scuzz. So for us to have got one of the only two interviews that Kajira did, I think shows that, that you know they actually you know they actually get us a bit now, and they, they you know we're we're sort of in that circle of of trust, and they they know that we're going to give a good interview and we're going to get it put out there. So that was a really big thing for me this year. I felt a lot more sort of accepted and a lot more comfortable with it all. So um, so that was good. But um, yeah, just to re- return to your actual question, um, the actual day itself is uh, I, I it, the pro- the main preparatory. Um, stuff that you've done in the weeks before really comes into focus then because you'll try and make the gaps as I said before there's bands that we really want to see like for example Alien Weaponry this year there's no way I was going to miss Alien Weaponry so of course any interviews half an hour before they're set half an hour afterwards and made sure that I was definitely going to be over there to meet them and, and, and have a chat with them afterwards and things like that so so we'll we'll organize that and we'll get all the interviews booked in for the weeks two or three weeks before before the festival um, and that's with you know a, a number of different PR companies will be will be doing that. So you'll usually have you know four or five bands with with each of them. So you get your slots sorted out as to when you're going to have them. You don't, at that point you don't really know who you're going to be interviewing. So it's not you know don't know which which band member you're going to get on the day. Um, some of the uh, more established ones, um, like Nuclear Blast, uh, very good with things, um, and we're helping us out and with um, uh, Century Media, the Noise Cartel that look after them. Um, obviously the sort of bigger ones because they're looking at the main stage bands so they, they can usually give you a little bit more information as to you know, which band member you're going to be um, meeting and stuff like that and then it's just a case really of then just going through the day and just making sure that you've got your got your prep done really so I've, I've got sheets band sheets that I, that, I, that I prepare in the weeks coming up to it so general bits of you know just general fact sheets as to what country they're from what their band members are called, what their latest album is, if they played Bloodstock before, things like that, and just your fact sheets. And then I'll have some sort of questions or more more bits of information. I, I tend not to have a question. I would just have their latest album is this, and this is that, and they are they just went on tour in there, and they from here they're going to Czechoslovakia for Brutal Assault or what, whichever. So at least you've got that sort of information as to where the band's just been where they're going to the, the next day. And that way, as I said earlier, it just sounds more, you know, you're more informed about what they're doing. So, oh, you, just, you were just in Czechoslovakia yesterday. How was that then, you know? And things like that. And you can ask them whether there's a big difference between the European festivals and Bloodstock and the, Euro, the UK crowds in general and things like that. So what I'll do is I, I very rarely have back-to-back interviews so that there's literally two slots with no time in between them because things go wrong during the day and get, things get moved along and stuff like that from from their side and from our side, usually. 
So it's literally, I've usually got five or ten minutes in between, and I'll just have a quick read through my notes as to what they are, because I want to use the notes less and less as we go on. I started off, first of all, it's just sort of like, you know, I've got my clipboard with me, and I'm constantly referring to them. But um, more and more, I just want to say, just let it flow a little bit more, so that I've got that information in my head as to, you know, what the latest album was and where they're going and things like that. And only after I have a quick glance at the notes, if I start getting stuck as to what to talk to next. Um, and yeah, and as I say, they, they just leave us to it. Really, we just um, we just we just record what we record, and then the, you know we chat to the PR people about the next one we've got coming in and things like that. But from the bloodstock side of things, the bloodstock people, like Adam and that, like check in with us every now and again. Got everything you need, everything all right, fine, um, and that's all right. We set up on the Thursday, so we'll, we'll arrive on the Thursday and get everything set up. But the press area is only open Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so we don't start the actual proper band interviews until Friday daytime. And we used to, on the Thursday, do a few sort of more random ones. We'd go out to the campsites or we'd go out to around the arena or we'd just go and interview some bands that we know have played at Bloodstock before but are just there sort of schmoozing around and stuff like that. So we, we used to do that, but we generally just tend to stick to just the actual band interviews now. So it's a, it's a tiring weekend. It's a, it's a working weekend. There's no two ways about it. But we do get to, you know, check out the bands that we want to see because we'll schedule around it. And even when we've got gaps now and again, we can very quickly walk through and go into the pit at the, uh, on the main stage and just have a quick look at who's on there and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a fun weekend, but it's a, it's a working weekend, definitely. Yeah, it is. But it's also, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real trip, isn't it? I mean, you know, you, you're, you're getting to meet and, and interview some, some genuine, you know, heavy metal icons like like fucking rob halford and stuff like that yeah yeah uh, we didn't we didn't get rob unfortunately oh didn't you sorry i thought uh, you had no 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 he did we got judas priest we had a uh, scott and richie but um rob saves his voice on the day of a gig he doesn't do interviews on the day of a gig and obviously when it's a festival it's always going to be the day of a gig so yeah so yeah we got scott and richie but it was you know, it was really good and it's a uh, it's out there. I'll do, I'll do the plugging bit because obviously you you always plug yourself when you come on ours. So, yeah, uh, do it. Yeah, Bloodstock TV is, is yeah. Well, Bloodstock TV, the, all, all the interviews that we've ever done are on the um, the festival's official YouTube channel, which is called Bloodstock Festivals. And there's a band interviews playlist on that that all our interviews are in there as well. So um, that's where they are. And Bloodstock Radio is bloodstockradio.com, just so you, you know where that uh, well, is. And, and that Blood... doesn't start until January. And Bloodstock Radio is a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. It's pre-recorded. It's not a radio station so, yeah. as such, but Bloodstock Radio seems the best. Seems the best idea to come out with it. We got a little bit of a derision about it from a, a few certain quarters when it first came out, but there you go. You get some people that just don't get on with Bloodstock and they've got big mouths. But hey, can't help them. Um, and yeah, so so it's a it's a weekly podcast, um, and uh, it runs from around about mid-January up until the festival. And then we'll have a few months off because there's no metal to the masses heats until at least sort of November when London starts. But most of them start in like January, February. Um, and we'll have built up some band announcements by then as well. So I can have some interviews prepared like the one I've just done with Soil Work and stuff like that. Um, and as I say, it's, it's aimed at promoting the festival and the metal to the masses coverage as well. So we have our sort of around the ground updates. So we like, we like to have um, our regions, all our metal to the masses regions. So there's like 30 of them, I think, again this year. Um, but having me with my boring, dull monotone saying, so Glasgow this week, we had bloody, bloody, blah. It's better if you have, you know, 
we jot Poupon McPlop phoning in from Glasgow with his results and he's got the Glaswegian accent and then you have a, a London accent and a Norwich accent and a Stoke accent and all that and you actually get the sense of this being a global, you know, an international thing, whatever you want to call it, but the, the fact that these these are actually happening around the country rather than just my boring voice, because no one in London wants to know what's going on in Newcastle, and no one in Newcastle wants to know what's going on in, you know, Stoke and things like that. So, so the metal to the masses is obviously one of the core things that we want to cover on that, and and to try and make that as exciting as possible. That's that's sort of the best way to do it, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, it's, I think people will be, you know, listening to this, I think they'll be surprised at what, um, you know, what a massive undertaking it is, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you don't, you don't just, you don't just rock up on the day and, uh, and, and, and interview who you want. Um, and things no, get, no, and, no, yeah. absolutely not. And uh, things get uh, juggled around I all mean, the time. It's like that all year. Yeah, it is. It's, well, it's like, it is like that all year round. And like I say, when you, when you make connections with, uh, uh, Nick Azenas at uh, Nuclear Blast is massively helpful, as I'm sure you know yourself. And um, so when you've got these contacts and they're constantly, when you get on the mailing list and they're constantly sending out, so right, we've got so-and-so available for interviews, so-and-so. And then as you get to know them over the years, Nick now, for example, will know that anyone that's announced a blood start, he, he knows that I will want to interview them. So he'll automatically just be sort of sending me, listen, I've got so-and-so available if, if, you know, you're, if you're free to do that. So... It's building up those contacts, and and you know to be honest with you, as I said when we first started, no one knew me at Bloodstock, no one knew who I was, so I didn't really get that much help with that really. And it was even to the point of literally just going onto a band's Facebook page, having a look at what their press contact is, and then contacting them and saying hello, I work for Bloodstock. Having a Bloodstock email address helps in that respect, but yeah. there's no sort of like big global list of these are who we got playing and this is who you contact and all that sort of thing. I've had to sort of work that all out for myself and get my own contact list and get all that going yeah. as well. But I, I sort of prefer to have done that really, to be honest, because it's, you know, it's, 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 it's all fun, fun doing that bit as well, really. Um, and as I say, with both of them, with the, with the Bloodstock TV and the radio, you, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to be reasonably organized with it. It is a lot of work. It's a lot more work than what I thought it would be, to be perfectly honest. Um, and, you know, uh, people like yourself that have helped out with the podcast. The, 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 the idea that I had for the podcast to start off with would be that it would be sort of me as almost like a central sort of hub. So in an hour-long show, you wouldn't really hear that much of me. You would hear, you know, an interview that someone's done with a band and, that you know, a, a report that someone has sent in and, and things like that to try to make it a little bit more varied. But, you know, I've had people that have, you know, to be honest, you've probably... You personally have probably sent in as much as anybody, to be honest, over over the years that we've been doing it. Oh, good. Um, there's a few other people. Yeah, well, say uh, Lena, who you also know, Lena Khatib. Yeah. Um, Lena Metalina, as she's known. She she did a few uh, in the Middle East last year for me and stuff like that because she's jet set off all over the place and she knows all these metal bands. So we had a couple of really interesting interviews with Middle East bands when you find out about you know how what underground really means and i know that you've had her on the podcast as well yeah um but you know when you're talking about like literally having to smuggle in heavy metal music across the border from syria into, into uh, the lebanon and that to actually play it on her radio show and things like that and, and you know getting people getting shot people getting locked up for wearing a heavy metal t-shirt not even playing it not even the bands but just listening to it so those sort of things I've been really sort of eye-opening because when I first started it, again, blank canvas, didn't really know what it was going to be. And it was going to be, you know, it's about bloodstock, but, you know, you've got as much scope as you want to do with that. And, they, and to be fair to them, they just let me run with that. And I was never really sure as to 
what what level to be. In fact, I think I remember talking to you about it because obviously you've been doing the podcast and my, mine isn't really what I would call a podcast. It's more of a one-hour radio show that's just pre-recorded. So, because it's got music in it, it's got interviews in it, it's got advertisements, you know, advertisements for the festival and stuff like that and things like that. So, I don't think that's a typical sort of podcast. I think most, most podcasts are mainly just, just spoken word, aren't they? So, it's just whatever I whatever I decided it was um, is, is what it's turned into. And I constantly get messages from Vicky and Adam and Rachel and Paul saying, love the show, it's great, you, you know, you're representing us perfectly. So for all the people that say, you know, oh, there's too much talking on it or, oh, there's not enough music on it or whatever, I don't care because they're the only people I need to, the, the Bloodstock people, if they think I'm representing the festival the way they want it to be represented, then, then, I'm, then my job's done, that's fine. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I, yes, I do remember speaking to you when, when, when you first, um, uh, when you first got it, because you, you were kind of a little bit of sort of like, well, how, how the fuck does this work, you know? And yeah, you, you know, yeah. I mean, even from a technical point of view, but it is, it's, it's like, you know, I remember you sending a message, and I remember thinking, wow, that's a great opportunity, and then, uh, but then, yeah. but then also, it, it's a hell of a lot of work, and and. And like you said, you know, what do you do? What do they want? It, it, it's all things that you have to take into consideration that I didn't because I was just like, right, I'm going to do this and I just got on and did it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I say, because you've got, because it is for a festival, it is different to just being able to, to interview whoever you want. And that's what I was used to. The radio show that I'd done before was literally, it was live as well. So I went out live. So you could literally, you know, rock up. My, my show, show used to be 10 till midnight on a, on a Sunday. I could literally go home at like 10 to 10 and have a look at what I'm going to play first and then put on a five or six minute song and then think <laughs> about what I'm going to talk about during that. Cheat. You bl- like yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got, and you, you can have like, because we had a chat room and things like that. People would be requesting, great, that'll take up some time, stuff like that. <laughs> That's a good song to play. I'll stick that in and stuff like that. Whereas with this, you've got to really organize it a little bit more. And I say, and again, that was another thing I didn't really think about as well. So a bit more on the, on the less glamorous side of things as well. But in terms of actually sort of planning a show and planning a one hour podcast, I've literally got an Excel spreadsheet that's got like an, an hour on it. And then got my jingle that I start the show off with, which is 42 seconds, and my jingle that I finish off the show with, which is about 15 seconds. So they go in the list. They're, they're in the list permanently. And then you're literally putting in your stuff. So if you've got like a 17-minute interview, that goes in, and then your time comes down, and then you've got a five-minute song to follow it, that comes down. And then you're literally just sort of putting, putting things into slots until you get to about usually about sort of 45, 50 minutes of content and then I've got 10 minutes to waffle in between them and then look at where I'm going to do the waffling afterwards. So I'll put the content together like that and then look at, right, what do I actually need to waffle about in between in between these things? And obviously you've got to promote what's going on. If the, if the festival's had an announcement, then I'll need slightly more time to, to you know list all the bands that have been done and things like that. So that's, that's every week, you know. I've got to plan that every week and it changes every week. So there's, there's a lot more planning than what, what I used to do on the radio show when you were literally just sort of winging it. But, you know, it's all part of it. And as I say, the, the, the content-wise, it's, it's just great. That, so the first, the, first, the first show that I did um, in January 17, um, I thought that they would want me to, to do a, you know, a, a, dry, a dry run and then send it to them so that they could listen and then say, yep, that's okay to go out as Bloodstock Radio because obviously it's representing their, 
yeah. their festival. And yeah. Adam was just like, no, no, you, I've, heard you, I've heard your radio shows before. You go for it, it's right. Just do what you want. And then literally, after an hour, it went out at eight, and literally just before nine o'clock, Rob Bannister rang me, who's the head of the uh, compares. He rang me and just said, that was brilliant, mate. Really enjoyed that. And I'm just like, oh, thank you, great. And then Rach uh, messaged me, Vicky messaged me, Adam messaged me the next morning. We'd all listened to it. And they'd all said to me, we don't really listen to radio that often, so I'm, you know, thanks for doing it we're really great that you're doing it but can't promise that we're going to listen to the show that often and stuff like that but every now and again I'll just get Adam just you know oh great show that last night so and so interview was brilliant and I'm just like they're still they're all listening to it that's that's great you know because I wasn't expecting that at all I was expecting it to just be sort of something just another part another string to their bow really just another thing that's selling tickets for them at the end of the day but they've all kept really engaged with it as well. And that's what that's why it's such a great organisation to work for because they, they really do, you know, engage with everybody and they do look after everybody. So it's, 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 a, great, it's a great thing to do. Well, it's another example of the Bloodstock family, isn't it? Um, which is what it's always called yeah. and, and, and rightly so. Yeah, it is. And that's, and that's, that's what I've felt since day one. I mean, I'd say even the, even the, year, the, the, the year that I was there with the radio station, you know, uh, when I got there, as I was walking into VIP for the first time, Adam's coming coming the other way. And, All right, Paul, did you get sorted out? Because it was sort of last minute getting press getting press coverage for it and stuff like that. And he was like, "Oh, you right, get sorted out." And did you see that? Anything you need, just give us a shout. And I'm just like, "He's got fifteen thousand people turning up in an hour, and and he cares about me. Why would that be a thing?" And then it's just been like that ever since. You know, they're literally just they can't do enough for you, and they're you know they're, they're very they're very key about because you know. I had a situation this year where, where the, my mum died like the, the month before the, the, the festival, the three weeks before. Yeah, so my yeah. preparation on that was really completely and utterly thrown out. And they were just so lovely. But they were literally, like, listen, if you can't do it this year, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, just have a year off. It's fine if you're not going to be able to do it. And then when I got there, they were all really lovely. And they were all sort of saying, so, so the preparation this year was, was a bit skewed. Um, and it was it was actually more hectic this year because I was, I was and that's why I was really glad we were in a hotel because as I say normally I would have done all my band prep and that sort of thing but with what had happened that's arranged a funeral and all sorts of stuff like that so I literally got there with my interviews booked but not really much research done so we were literally Thursday night got there set up got all the, the sofas and the gazebo all set up for the next day and everything and then went back to the hotel researched the band for Friday until like two in the morning. And then Friday night went back, researched the Saturday the bands. Saturday night went back, researched the Sunday bands. So it was pretty relentless this year. But it's not usually like that. Usually, you know, you get a chance to go into VIP afterwards, have a few drinks with people and hang out and chill out with your friends. But this year was a little bit full on. But they were just so understanding about it all and just completely, look, whatever. And, and at the end of it on the Sunday, actually, the, the very last interview that I did, um, actually got switched around. It was supposed to be Watain, and it ended up being um, Des from Devil Driver um, being my very last one. Yeah. And we've done 40 interviews over the whole weekend, and I was, you know, really happy with all of them when. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, but because I wing it, you know, essentially, I can never remember what I talked about. So when, when they actually come out, I'm, I'm as new to it as most people because I haven't, cause I haven't done Q&A because it's not a Q&A. I can't just look at my notes. And, and you remember little bits of it, but a lot of it is just reacting to what they've said and then taking it off in whatever direction it goes. Yeah. So a lot of them, I can't actually remember what we, what, we end, what we ended up talking about in the end. But these last two got switched around, and all the way through the weekend, I've managed to get all the way through it all in that lot and just concentrating on getting it all done. And, and Des from Devil Driver came out, and we had 
the lights on because it was it was late. So it was the only one that we did under the floodlights and that sort of thing. And just thinking, you know, and he was such a lovely bloke. He was just the nicest bloke in the world. And he was talking about um, he was a, he's like a, a born again Christian. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. He's, he's he's led he's done the rock and roll wild wild child lifestyle. And now he is like a husband and father, and he's just calmed right the way down. So we were just talking about that, and we went through, and we we're just talking about life in general and stuff like that. And he'd said about you know. Um, that, that he'd lost a couple of friends a couple of a couple of weeks earlier, and he says, you know, you're not on this planet forever. And I just blurted out, yeah, I lost my mum three weeks ago. And he just went, oh man. Uh, and he said, oh, and he stood up and he hugged me. He came over and he hugged me, and he was like, man, he said, that must be. And he said, oh, how 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 are you doing? How are the rest of your family doing with it and that? And we chatted about that for a little bit and that. And then and then we finished the interview, and then he just said, you know, so I'm, I'm really sorry about your, about your mum. And then off he went. He said, my mum's really really special to me. I've got a really close relationship, so I can't imagine what you're going through and off you went and I was just sort of thinking half of me was thinking that was nice because it was human yeah. but half of me was thinking uh, that's turned around he, I, I, he started interviewing me and he started talking to me about stuff so I was a little bit annoyed with myself and I, was, I didn't really know which way to you know because it was the last one of the whole weekend and I was, mm. so I went back around to the portal cabins on the back of the production office and Rachel and Adam were in there and I went in and they were like yeah, I went, yeah okay and I told them what had just happened in the interview and Rachel said Mate, that's perfect. That's what we want. That's why you're here. We, we want you to, to interview the people, not the not the things. She said, and to be honest with you, you know, we're amazed you're here. You know, we would have been absolutely fine with you not, not coming this year. And the fact that you've come and you've done all that. And, you know, that's what we want you to do, interview the people and be human about it. She said, she said no, I really want to see that interview because it sounds like a really great moment. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. So that just made me feel a whole lot better about it when, uh, you know, and that, that typifies... The bloodstock people to me that's exactly what they are they're just really really lovely people and obviously their family they're a close family as well so you know the fact that i'd lost my mum really resonated with them as well so you know as much as you get the sort of you know people will say oh it's going all corporate oh it's turning into download i know it never will because i know the people that are involved with it and yeah. i know that they genuinely care about the fans and that and that they've got they're really grounded people they're not you know, rock star sort of lifestyle or anything like that. They're really grounded people. And that's why I absolutely love working with them and working for them because because of that mainly. Well that's I mean that's been my experience as well. Um uh you know both as a both as a punter and, and and you know being in a band that's played there. Um it you know, I mean I think I told you, you know, I got I got stuck out I got stuck outside trying to trying to get in um and it, yeah. and and you know waiting for cannibal corpse to put the guest list through and all the rest of it and stood outside with cookie cookie was resigned to us not getting in we'd been out there for about an hour and a half and vicky came around to say hello to the guys work, working in the porter cabin and then she, and, and then um, yeah. i caught her eye and she was like oh hello and i was like all right and we you know we had a little hug she goes oh what are you doing out here and i said oh you know fucking you know guest list not and she went and she went oh right and then she just walked she just walked over to the cabin and went let these two in will you and, um, yeah. and, and, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, it was like I said, it was just like, like a family, like it was nothing. And funnily enough, Cookie, yeah. um, Cookie got his ID out and he showed it to the woman in the, because it says like, you know, guest list, you must have ID and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah. he got his ID out and uh, the woman behind it said, there's no need to show me that. I don't even know who you are. She's just told me to let you in. And it was just yeah. like, <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just yeah. perfect. But um yeah, well, we had we had a bit of that this year as well, which is what I say. You just get to get to. It is like a family, and it is it's the same as it is for the punters. 
all the press tent and everything, they all look forward to getting together because that's the only, only time we see each other a year as well. Yeah. You know, I'll see I'll see a few of them at gigs around and about. I saw Ollie Walker's um, uh, at, um, uh, Slayer actually just outside from We Are AC and he and just had a quick chat with him. But very rarely do we get you know do we do we see each other throughout the year. A couple of emails backwards and forwards, but actually being together, so it's nice to have that. And I had exactly the same when I went to the thing. They just sort of like, hey Scott, how are you doing and stuff like that. And and they're just like yeah yeah yeah, just give him that pass and that pass and that pass and until he comes. I'm just like, okay, cool, great. Everyone knows who I am now. That's brilliant. <laughs> but they've got it's just that 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 human touch, and I say it really that idea of that family. We had it the, 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 in 2017 um, when I first started switching between tents and, and hotels, basically. So so on the Thursday night in 2017, it was absolutely freezing, and I I woke up on the Friday morning, and my voice was ropey, and I was just thinking, oh, I, just, I hardly got any sleep. I went to sleep in the car at 4 a.m. because I was so cold. So I was just like, oh, I can't do that. And I was walking into into Sight, um, alongside Sai Keeler from Onslaught, who'd be camping, camping near us. And he was saying, oh, no, you've got to look after your voice, mate. He says, you know, your voice is your, is your fortune. You've got three days of interviews to do and stuff like that. So I thought, I'll book myself into a and b on the Friday, then I'm not going to risk having another freezing cold night like that. So I booked myself into a and b paid 40 quid for it. On the Saturday, Adam Gregory comes around, and he's just sort of checking in. I was like, hey, how's it going all right? I was like, yeah, I'm all right. I said, I was a bit ropey yesterday, so I stayed in the B&B last night. I oh, don't do that. He says, why, why do you do that? He says, do you want a hotel for tonight? And I'm just like, yeah, um, yeah great, that'd be fine. He went, yeah, go around and see Rachel in the production office and sort it out. And I was like, okay. So I had a look at my, my timetable. I had sort of like 10, 15 minutes for the next one. So I walk around to the portal cabin. I walk in. Rachel's literally on the phone. She points at the phone. She's like, just getting it for you now. I'm just like, he's running a festival, and he's radioed back to Rach to get me a hotel that and it's just things like that that just make you think what the hell he's yeah. got 15,000 people here he's got 118 bands playing over this weekend and yet he's done that for me that is why it is the best place to work for it so, you know you just don't get that anywhere else I'm sure no and and do you know what that's I, I'm, I'm sure I speak for people listening as well it's such a heartwarming thing to hear um, because I, I think without a doubt there's a few festivals around who can you know remain nameless where it's pretty much obvious that you're getting absolutely rinsed every single step you take um yeah and it is it is actually it well it feels like that i mean it's like you know there's even when it comes down to like the the catering offering and everything it's not you know burgers for 15 quid do you know what I mean? It's it's actually yeah, it's not it's not like out on the street prices, but it, it's but it's not outrageous either, you know. And no. and it's it's all of that goes towards sort of fostering that that kind of that that vibe, that feeling that you know I'm not getting ripped off here. I mean, well, I speak as somebody yeah. who, I, I speak as somebody who bought a pink a pink top hat from one of the stalls for fifteen quid. So um, yeah, the, fam- the famous pink top hat. The famous pink top hat that uh, yeah. that for some reason I decided to throw into the crowd. And the amazing thing is, um, the, the video of our show that we played at Bloodstock, um, you see me throw the hat out into the crowd, and this and this hand just appears out of the crowd and just catches it and just takes it down again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd, well, I'd, let me let, let me talk let me talk to you about that about that appearance with, with my my experience of that set if that's okay. Right. Well, hang on. Let me let me stop you there. I'm gonna I'm gonna wind this up for the uh, for the blood cast, for the blood clot uh, blood clot blood stock section and um, and let let's have a chat f- um, with uh, for my uh, for my Patreon people. Hang on a second. Okay. Cool.
So there you go. That is the inevitable Patreon plug that's coming your way. If you sign up at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, subscribe for $5 a month. You too can ask questions of the people that I interview and get your own little bollocast every month. You also go early access to the bollocast and you get loads of acid rain stuff as well behind the scenes, making the album, you name it, all for the price of less than a pint of beer. Come on, folks, join up. You, you make it... You, Make it a Christmas present to yourself. Why not? Um, Anyway, that concludes part one. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, Part two will be... I've got two interviews coming uh, on part two, um, which also, again, will be around... um, uh, There's somebody else involved with Bloodstock on um, and other festivals. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to bringing you that. That will be making its way to you, as I said at the top, um, that'll be coming to you between Christmas and New Year. So um, whenever you're listening to this, whether it's um, before or after your Christmas dinner or it's before Christmas even, um, and you've just got stuck into this early, um, I hope you enjoy the, the holiday period, the festive period, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, thank you very much, as always, for listening. Really do appreciate it, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, even if you're just sat in front of the telly, far like a bastard because you've had too many Brussels sprouts. No matter what you've been doing, no matter who you are, I do appreciate every single one of you listening to this. Spread the word, please, and let's see if we can make this podcast even bigger next year. So, until part two, I bid you farewell. Have a lovely Christmas. Keep doing what you're doing. You're a great set of people, and you're doing an incredible job. <laughs>